Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast. We hope you're well, and uh, we uh, want to thank you for downloading it. If you've downloaded it from iTunes or downloaded it from wherever, we're just pleased that you downloaded it and you're listening to us, and we hope you are going to enjoy the next hour to hour and a half, maybe a bit longer. It depends how well things go. With me, we've got Mike. Hello. And Matt. Hello. And it's quite ominous what you're saying. It depends on how well things go. Yeah, well... It might we, go bad. Well... Yeah, ten minutes, we're out. As I, uh, as I put on our Facebook this morning... Um, didn't literally didn't know anything about this podcast until Matt told me at half past nine this morning. Yeah, me so, either. and it's now eleven o'clock. I'm so, sure I, I we've thrown it to, we've thrown it together in the uh, in the quickest and and, and uh, uh, sense of the word. But uh, we it's no doubt going to be extremely strong. It blew all of that preparation we normally do, didn't it? That's all, right. All that yeah. preparation well, that's scripting yeah. and the planning. That's yeah. right. So um, so we're just going to have to wing it a little bit, which is what not what we normally do at all. Of course not. So uh, next week, our new issue goes on sale, and, uh, and uh, as we always like to do, we're going to talk a little bit about that and use it as a jumping-off point for, um, from a few discuss- for a few discussions. Subscribers might actually have it now. Uh, they may do, yeah. Yeah, they may do. Um, what day are we? Thursday, because we've had bank holiday this yeah, week. Yeah, they should almost certainly be getting it today. Or I mean, yeah. by, by the time this podcast goes up, they should always definitely, have it. They'll definitely have it. Um, so. When does the digital version of the magazine go up? Is that uh, with our on-shelf day? I think that's Stairs on, into on middle distance. Date. Yeah, it's on-shelf on on day. So um, we should mention, we should, we're going to be talking about this a lot more in the coming months uh, in the pages of the magazine, but you should mention the podcast right now, because if you're listening to the podcast, there's a very good chance you're the kind of person who likes their information fed straight intravenously from the internet. Um, if you grab uh, the Zinio app for your iPhone, for Android, I believe, for your iPad, the Zinio app, Z-I-N-I-O, you can find Xbox World on there, but the digital version of the magazine. Mm. No paper, no Mr. Guy from W. Smith's uh, taking a, a little cut, and there's no um, printing cost, there's no delivery cost. And as a result, it's uh, a very cheap way to read Xbox World. Get your, uh, get your fix of the magazine every month. Uh yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good actually. We had a look at it on uh, on Matt's iPad the other the other week, and uh, and it's quite cool. It's sort of got. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, we I sound surprised because uh, we've had a tradition of of doing maybe stuff uh, in this company on the digital front. Maybe in the past that hasn't been quite up to standard. Yeah. But this is uh, this is pretty good. Yeah, I was quite impressed that you can hit. Say if you go onto the contents page and say, "Oh, I want to read about Saints Row," you click on Saints Row and it jumps you straight to the Saints Row. Yeah, it's like a magazine. That's things only the better. And if you want to see stuff, we realise you know we're going to have to start using higher resolution images on stuff because in zoom, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, mm. in print you run at seventy-two DPI generally speaking, and that's that's fine. But uh, when you can zoom right in on an image on the iPad, oh man. So those images don't hold up. So in uh, future issues, we will be running with. Uh, or the little, uh, or the little Willis John draws and then hides in all the images. Yeah, they're, they're really yeah. clear. He's like our own Tyler Durden. One thing we should point out this month uh, for for next uh, week's issue is that you probably won't want to get it on Zinio this month, only because we've got a strong free gift in the oh, shape no, of a do. Gears of War three mouse mat. Uh, which you can uh, pop next to your PC and uh, and look or really or Mac. Yeah, yeah we're not we're, we're very um, agnostic, agnostic here. here yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, I've got a Mac, so I don't know why I didn't yeah. think of the the Mac. But but yeah, pop it next to your, your PC or your Mac, and uh, and uh, it looks super sexy. Suddenly makes your uh, your living room, your bedroom, wherever you keep your PC, your kitchen. I don't know. Maybe people keep their PCs in their kitchen. I did in my old flat because it was right. so small. That was the flat which was next to the um, drug den. Oh yeah, above yeah. the guy who tried to burn the flat down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you probably will keep it in the kitchen then. Yeah, yeah. Um, it makes your room one hundred and fifty percent better all of a sudden. So you should definitely. Girls, we did research to get that figure, didn't we? 
Yeah, hundred fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you, and like, like Mike says, women will think you're really sexy. Yeah, if you bring a girl home and you, she'll be like, she'll be like, "Is this your computer?" You'll be like, "Yeah, I love computers." She'll be like, "Yeah, I do too." Yeah. And you'll be, she'll be like, "What's this next to your computer?" And you'll be like, "Well, that speaks for itself." Yeah, yeah. there's no words needed for this. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's on sale Tuesday. I think I'm yeah. right in saying. And uh, if you don't uh, get this issue, then you really are a, um, and I hope you're not offended by this, a freaking loser. Because uh, it's so good. It's such a good issue. Yeah. Uh, we've got such a strong free gift. Two free gifts, because we've, of course, got the disc, as, as usual. Uh, and we've got a load of strong old content in there, which, um, kicking off the mag this month, is a, is a discussion of what we're going to see at E3, which, of course, uh, starts at the beginning of June. Matt's going to be out there for us. Yep. Slaving away. S- slaving away for the man. That's <laughs> yep. uh, doing this year, and we are going to do our best to podcast from the show. If we can't podcast from the show, you can count on us podcasting. Tim and I back in the UK. Yeah. I think I think I'm down to do some kind of podcast out there. Yeah, anyway, there so. is. Yeah, there Matt's is. Matt's doing a, like a group podcast yeah. with a bunch of other magazines. I think so. Yeah. He's going to be giving you the feedback from the. Uh, so it's gonna be, you know, it's going to be podtastic that week. My yeah. God, that provi- providing I don't crash. That is, I rather worryingly got an email last night saying we need to know who can drive because Future's sending a whole bunch of people. They're like, we're going to rent some cars. You haven't we need driven to know in who years, have you? No, not really. The left side, also, you know, on the right side of the road, left-hand side of the car. Automatic car out there. So Automatic's all right, but... I, on LA I, roads. I'm not, good, I'm not good at driving LA, in the States. Uh, I, I, I would be terrified. Driving in LA, I'd be But not only, not yeah, only would I be... Everything in LA is miles away. But yeah, not everything. only would I be terrified of driving in the States, I'd be doing it to a deadline because I'd have to get there in time. Just drive faster. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be driving around my bosses. Like publishers and stuff in the back. There's that's um, oh, like a chauffeur. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But I mean, I'm their butler for the day. As long as you're in a downtown hotel, there's shuttles running between yeah. everything anyway. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing: it's uh, like, I'm not sure if Future will have stumped up the cash to put you in. A no, downtown. you are down. You are They'll downtown. They'll probably put you in uh, the Bates Motel. No, we're downtown. You are downtown somewhere. I think I'm it's, downtown it's like, boy. isn't it like a mile from the? You'll be fine. They'll run a yeah. shuttle. You'll never yeah. have to drive. So you should be all right. Or just say you can drive. Just have you, you told can. people you can drive? Not yeah, only you guys. Well, no one will know now we've <laughs> recorded it on the podcast. <laughs> well, they don't listen to this. That's right. They? No, you're right. Yeah. So, so uh, E3 this year, we're expecting a few, um, a few big announcements. So I'm expecting the best E3 ever. Now, when you say stuff like that, you're normally like, oh, that's risking it a bit. But we predicted that like two years ago, and that's exactly what happened. Last year's E3 was always going to be an off year. Mm. Just because Microsoft were gearing up for the Kinect release, their focus was on lifestyle-y kind of games. You know? It was on uh, Your Shape Fitness Evolved. It was on Kinectimals. But the year before was the year, if you remember, they came out and they said, we're going to show you seven or was it nine games you can't get anywhere else. They revealed Metal Gear Rising, that show. They showed off Halo Reach at that one, ODST. They showed uh, Splinter Cell. These were all the big games they rolled out. They just rolled in with this big stack of games. And Microsoft know this year they need to have a lot of games for the hardcore. They need gamers' games. Make no mistake, we'll still be seeing the Kinecty lifestyle stuff. Kinect Sports 2, absolutely guaranteed to be at the show. Dan Central 2, I'd be certain they'll be there. But they need to roll in with some big stuff. They need to roll in with big names. And the biggest of those names, oh boy, it's got to be Halo 4. Yeah. They, it's the 10th anniversary of Halo. They need to roll in there with a Halo game. There's it's either the remake or Halo 4 or both. I think that, I think what they might do is they'll announce a remake for this year, which we've expected for a while. Yeah. And 
almost certain tease, that will happen. Tease the little and tease Halo yeah, 4, Halo 4 for next year. Reveal. Because they will need a game for next Christmas because Gears will come this year. They haven't got, you know, Gears and Halo are like the Xboxes. Yeah, Forza, I guess, as well. But hey, Gears and Halo are like the Xbox's big games. Yeah. You know, so they got Gears this year and they got Forza this year. So they're not going to have Gears and Forza next year. No. Unless, of course, they announce Gears, whatever Gears of War Exile is. It may not be anything. It may just be well, a, Exile, we believe, is their the Kinect, Kinect uh, yeah. Gears of War game, which it seems pretty legit. And there have been certain. rumors this week about how Microsoft are about to announce a AAA Kinect shooter. Yeah. Hardcore shooter. And I wonder whether that's going to be Gears of War. I, I think that's that's pretty likely. I mean, this this show has to be a show where they win back the hardcore, you know? I fully expect them to go on stage with things like Steel Battalion, you know, third-party gamers' games for Connect. They'll go on stage with Steel Battalion, maybe Rise of Nightmares, that kind of thing. They, that's going to happen. But what you also see on stage at that conference, which is on the Monday, June 5th, I think? Matt's frowning? Yes. I yeah, think, June I think 5th, I think. 5th. It's the Monday, whichever, whichever Monday is closest to June 5th, anyway. And... Um, they're going to roll on stage and they're going to come up and here's what they're going to say. They're going to talk about all their numbers. They're going to talk about the number of subscribers and they're going to go on there and they're going to rather cheekily mention, guaranteed, their unbroken security record on Xbox mm. Live. They're going to talk about how secure their network's been because God knows Sony's had some problems with that in the last couple of weeks. Uh, they'll be cheeky and they will mention it and, uh, and uh, all the audience will go, ha, 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 we know what you're saying because you will. And it'll just be a throwaway line but it'll be there. And then they'll go on to talk about the new deals they struck up. They'll talk about their deal probably with ITV2 and 4 On Demand. I think that's quite likely we're going to get the mm -hmm. ITV2 and 4 On Demand player. We'll see. I think it's, it, rumors have it that that's going to happen uh, pretty soon. The only reason they haven't got BBC, of course, is that um, they wanted to tie it into a gold subscription. BBC can't be tied to mm -hmm. anything which is yeah, generating sure. revenue for a third party. And then they'll go on to the games. And that's when... Things get a bit unpredictable. Now, normally going into E3, by now the leaks have kicked in. Mm. And we've had a few. Forza is uh, actually our lead news story in, uh, in this issue because a lot of stuff leaked out on Forza. We, uh, we've heard a lot from a lot of people. Um, an internal video squeaked out onto the internet. 16-player races and so on. That's big news. And then you're going to roll onto Gears Exile. What else we got? Halo. Well, surely Call of Duty... Because they always tie in exclusive content yeah. with Microsoft. And so. I wouldn't be surprised if Skyrim were on stage as well. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, because they, always want, they all, are always going to show off some big games from third parties that are multi-format, but have the reveal. Someone's going to have the Modern Warfare reveal. Uh, and it's probably going to be them. The stage. It'll probably be Microsoft. Yeah. It's usually Microsoft. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if Assassin's Creed were... Sony, just because there was exclusive Brotherhood stuff yeah, that, that was make, on that makes sense as PlayStation. Well. And I think what you're going to get is Rising, Metal Gear Solid Rising, on the Microsoft show, yeah. mm. because we think that my, uh, my Sony will have had them, will have them demoing another Metal Gear yeah. game. I yeah. wonder whether the if they do announce another Metal Gear game, which you know the rumors seem to persist that that may be the case. Yeah, it looks like could you because I mean Rising isn't being made by Hideo Kojima. No, that's we, right. Kojima's been working on something else in the meantime. Yeah, we believe it's another Metal Gear game. I mean, let's be honest, it is another Metal yeah. Gear game. Uh, and we, I'm not saying it's PlayStation exclusive. I just think Sony will have the reveal. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, what I was going to say is, I wonder whether it'll be 360 as well this time. Mm. I mean, I don't know, maybe. But if Rising has gone multi-format. And, you know, we're consistently seeing with the sales of 
games that it skewed so much in favour of the 360. You know, you're talking about 60, 70% of the sales on 360. Single format development just doesn't make any sense anymore. I mean, uh, Killzone 3, when that came out a few months ago, it just didn't sell. No, it just died terrible numbers so i mean so if there isn't they could afford to no do i think if there is just yes then they will it will have to be financially it will have to be 360 yeah. someone will have bioshock infinite i'd imagine oh absolutely i mean and that stinks of microsoft yeah. something like that but then who would have thought portal would be demoed on a sony stage true. last year true hitman do we reckon that'll be in one of the leading is that going to be it? on a stage is it, is, kind, a is, is it the kind of game that demos well on a stage you would you think or will i just save that for their own with thing? hitman i don't know whether it's whether it's big because I'm such a fan of it, or I, I know it's but big, but I don't know whether it's as big as I think it is in my head, just because it's like my f- favorite. I think it's big by virtue of being or being away for a, for a long time. time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just by having been gone for so long, it's built up this quiet buzz, and everyone's just aware that it exists. Mm. And is yeah, because. Hitman Blood Money, as great as it was, it wasn't a next-gen Hitman. Mm. It was a last-generation Hitman ported over to the 360. This will be the first time that Hitman, you know, comes into its own on 360 and PS3. And people are really excited. I think over the years, everyone can agree Blood Money was a great, great game. Mm. And because it's been, what, four years? Five mm-hmm. years now, almost? Yeah, 2006, I think it was 2006, it came March, out. and then May on 360. So, um, yeah, people are waiting. Like all the, all the Hitman fans have been talking about it so much that people who weren't necessarily into it back in the day are starting to get mm. excited as well. It's like Deus Ex syndrome. Like Deus Ex, the first one, I should I should say. So many people know about that game and know that it's one of the greatest games of all time. But how many people putting out that message have actually played Deus Ex? Mm. I think there are more people talking about how great that game is without actually having played it for themselves. It's just word of mouth. Mm. It's become this cult thing. I think Hitman's getting to that point. Not, I'm not saying it's one of the greatest games of all time, but I think people have talked about it so much that people are carrying the word even if they themselves haven't been Hitman fans in the past. Yeah. So let's go over them. We've got Gears, new Gears. New Gears pa- XR for Kinect. Yeah, new Halo, almost possibly th- almost two Halos. Say it's the 10th anniversary, <coughs> and our evidence for this is that they've booked a major Halo event. 343, the new Halo studio, booked a major Halo event for the Penny Arcade Expo in August. Now, a lot of people are thinking, oh, they're going to unveil in August, but that's not the way they roll. The big audience, the big internet audience is with E3. You announce there, you show more of the game at in, in August, mm. but you announce at E3. I mean, make no mistake, Microsoft are going to roll on stage, and at the end of the show, they're going to go, and a Halo remake. Everyone's going to go, wow. And they go, and we've got one little extra treat for you. That's the way the thing they always do, that mm. one final trailer. And that final trailer, I think, is likely to be it's Halo fun. 4. But, you know, this is, this is pure speculation. There are some things we know will be there, and there are some things we haven't got it locked down. We don't know for certain. We know Kinect Sports 2 is going to be there. Mm. You know, we, we know things like that are going to be there. But we don't know about yeah. Halo. I'd be surprised if it wasn't Halo. I, I'd be it like... Would be, uh, I'd, it'd be more surprising if it weren't. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet some money that, that Halo's going to be there. Whether there'll be Halo 4 as well, I don't know. But anyway, Gears. T- t- one, possibly two Halos. Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. Uh, Skyrim's a good show. Skyrim. How about GTA 5? Yeah. How about GTA 5? How about GTA 5? I think it's ready to announce. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, it might not be ready to show, but it's ready to announce. I think it'll be the old, here's a logo, and it's set in 
goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be the extent yeah. of the announcement. I'm not saying it's ended by. <laughs> no, sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's set in wherever, yeah. and then there'll be, and that's the end of the announcement. I'm, I miss the days of the tattoos. I want, I want someone to come out and go. Look, there's a five on my arm. Well, you can't have Don Matrick doing that. He's going to come on stage <laughs> and he's going to suck all of the energy out of the room. Oh, Don Matrick in his personality vacuum. <laughs> It's patented personality vacuum. I'll roll on stage, just roll on stage, and all the energy will just drain out of the room. I mean, someone will be showing Tomb Raider, I would imagine. Final Fantasy will be on show at either Sony or Microsoft, and will get laughed off the stage. No one cares about that part. No. Yeah, someone, someone will trail it. So, Sony might, get bang a little, might bang a trailer mm. up on that one. Uh, Sony will have Uncharted 3, and make no mistake, Uncharted 3 will be a show stealer, mm. unless Microsoft roll in with Halo. Yeah. And they'll, don't forget they'll have NGP as well. A lot of Sony well, will be This is why this NGP. show is so exciting. New hardware from Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo confirmed that it's playable at E3, right? Playable new hardware from Nintendo. Playable new hardware from Sony. No new hardware from Microsoft. So this is the year, and I'm going out on a limb on this one, I think this is the year Microsoft announced their new console. Not to say that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be uh, a name. Not to say it's going to have any specs, just to say that it's happening. Yeah, you reckon? If, yeah. if Nintendo are announcing this early, Microsoft are going to come out and they're going to say, and of course, you know, we're already hard at work on the 360 successor, which will be coming to you in 2013, 2013 or, or whenever it is. And I could see it just being a throwaway line. They'll just mention it. They'll just drop it in. Because this year, Nintendo are going to be showing off their new machine. The rumor has it that it's called the Nintendo Feel. I don't really see that happening, but it'll have a haptic controller. The idea is you have this; it gives you feedback in a way that no controller ever has. Uh, to the extent that you touch it, and you're like you'll have a dog in the game. You touch the dog, and the controller will feel furry. It will feel you will feel hard How when does it needs it to do that. It's it's, um, it's black magic. It's more right? black magic. Well, me. this technology does exist, but it's prohibitively expensive. But then we always thought now about Kinect. You know, it's going to be too expensive to make it home. You know, you make some chops here and there, you make some changes here and there, you make it work a little less good than the really high-end stuff, and mm. you end up with Kinect, and you can sell it for 120 quid. Maybe Nintendo have worked out a way to sell high-end haptic feedback to the masses. If that's the case, that's kind of cool. The evidence for that comes from Super Rerogatory, which is um, a Twitter feed, a guy who just he's kind of become a rumor dump for the whole industry, and he's also a guy who investigates patents and website listings and so on. He's where... The uh, news about the Gotham imposters thing came from, and he's the one who recently broke the Far Cry 3 rumors, which I think we'll say because Ubisoft will be having a conference. Mm. We'll mention that in a minute. But um, he mentioned on there that Nintendo have been casting for models for their E3 promo videos. You know, the first people to ever hold these controllers are always these models, these lifestyle models. And the one thing they were looking for was hand models people with beautiful hands, no blemishes. Mm. So, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of close-ups on hands and they're going to be running it on a very big screen. Interesting. So, you know, Nintendo, who knows? Who knows what way Nintendo... Because one thing you can can say about Nintendo is you don't know what they're going to do. No. But, I mean, look, you're going to have the second wave of 3DS announcements as well. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, and don't forget all the stuff like Batman, Mass Effect. I mean, these big games, I think Batman will probably be on the Sony conference just because the first Batman game had tie-ins with... That's true. Exclusive times with Sony, I would imagine it would be the same thing again this, this time. It was a different publisher last time, mm. though. So. It was. It was. I'll give you that. But all the... I mean, there are going to be so many, so many blockbusters we already know about. Yeah. And then... A low From what besides. we've heard, like, they're just getting announced. And we know that people are keeping stuff from us as well. Mm. 
Well, yeah. just this week, it's been Assassin's Creed Revelations. Revelations has been well, yeah, teased. Right. Far Cry, Mike alluded to. Far Cry to. 3. So Ubisoft always have their own conference. Not all of the publishers do. Activision often do. EA always do. Konami often do, weirdly. Um, but that's only because they've always got a metal, uh, something Metal Gear to yeah. show off, and they can guarantee attendance on that. Yeah. It'll be like a nine-minute Metal Gear trailer. Yeah. Um, Ubisoft do, and EA do on the Monday. Usually, because what happens is Microsoft lead on the morning or on the night before. Uh, it's often on. It's, sometimes it's on the night before, uh, but last year they replaced that with a thing from um, Cirque du Soleil, right? With a Connect showing, and then they, the next day at the Wilter, and they did um, they did their conference. A little later on, you have EA's uh, conference, then Ubisoft's. Sony tend to lead the next day. I think they're going a little earlier this time, but they usually lead the next day, and then Nintendo and Sony go back to back. It's a great time for watching stuff on the internet. It really is a great yeah, time yeah. to just kick back with a mug of tea and watch stuff on the I internet. I remember when I, before this industry, when I was working at a PC World part-time and I was on the phone to my friend who was watching the live streams and I was sprinting back from work at home to try and make it in it's time. A, it's just compulsive viewing. It's and I was really, like, tell me what's happening now, what's happening now on the phone. It's just great <laughs> TV. It's just that you, you get these, these guys roll up on stage and you've got to sit through the boring stuff first. You've got to sit through the part where... Well, you know, Xbox Live is an unbroken security record, and oh, we've got um, seventeen point six million subscribers. Yeah. You know, you always got to subscri- you always got to sit mm. through that, yeah. and then the good stuff. But how good was the year, for instance, when Sony did all that in Little Big Planet, and their entire number talk was all oh, done well, in that a level? Great. Yeah, they that did, was brilliant. Yeah, they did. Sony did a really nice job at that year. They did. You know, did you know? Mm. See, when the Sony. For our listeners at home, Sony Demo did all of their numbers in Little Big Planet. Mm. So as a big level, so the sack boy, boy was jumping on buttons, and pulling, buttons down pulling down banners, and, and yeah, it was very cool, very mm. cool. Yeah, I'm actually not even going to be here when the conference is on. I'll be on holiday. You will. Yeah, I'll get back just as the conference start, uh, the actual show starts. That's going to be good. Then you're back just in so time for like, the, mis- the misery of uh, yeah. E3 week. E3 it's, deadline week. It's tough, man. It's tough because we're we're going to be one of the first magazines that can cover E3. Yeah. We're going to be coming out of the show floor with a lot of exclusive content, exclusive interviews, exclusive hands-on, and we're going to have that all in our issue, which will be going, uh, you know, it's the wonders of print. We don't, you don't actually get that issue on shelves until July. July. But, you know, you will get stuff that you won't read anywhere else. That's yeah. the cool thing about E3. You can go in there. You can chase big content. Let's talk about Ubisoft's conference. Assassins. Far Cry 3. Far Cry 3. Rainbow, Rainbow Six, Six, maybe. Yeah. We know Ghost Recon's there. Ghost Recon will be there. That's their biggie for this year. Yeah, Ghost I think Recon. Ghost Recon's what they're leading with. That'll be the hands-on on the show floor one. That'll as far as they're concerned, that's big. even bigger than the next Assassins for them. This is like their reimagining mm. of the Ghost franchise. This is where they're they're putting all their. This is almost where they year. take Ghost Recon and say we're going to put Ghost Recon up against the Cods, yeah. against the Battlefields. And yeah. Driver. Driver will be there as well. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be there. I won't make a, quite a splash. I think no. I expect. Well, I played there. that. I think I can talk about that. I played it last week. Oh, the good. previews appear the, the web. Yeah, it's pretty decent. That's the thing. It's funny. For ages, we've been expecting a disaster, but it's yeah. actually pretty no, it's, good. It's right? pretty good. I got to sit down and chat with Martin Edmondson, who uh, created Reflections back in the eighties. I think it was a long, long time ago, and he came up with the Driver franchise. Um, left after Driver 3 and then came back, was brought back for Ubisoft for this reboot of sorts. It actually follows on from Driver 3 in terms of story. Um, but the the game's completely different, although you're still in the car driving around yeah. the city. But no, it's pretty decent. It's it's probably not something I think I'll be playing at home. It's not really my bag. Um, but I think a lot of people have, have said very negative things about the whole 
car hopping thing. They're not sold on it. It absolutely works in the game. Driver's in, in problem. In the game, you, um, you, there's no running around and shooting. No. You jump between cars. You basically sort of teleport between them. Driver got shit when you got out of the car. When it yeah. tried to be GTA and you can run about, that's where driver fell down. The actual driving was brutally hard at times, but it was always fun. And this lets you jump between the cars without any of the running around bullshit. And it works really well because you, you jump into, say, a, a, a car that's driven by a frat boy and then you can do a stunt mission and you hop out of that and you can jump into a, a racing car and you've got a, a street race. And it's a good way of feeding in these like almost mini-games and not having to make you go through a menu and select it all. Um, no, I expect decent things from it. I think people are going to be very pleasantly surprised by what Ubisoft's done. What do you reckon uh, Revelations or Assassin's Creed will be all, uh, all about then? More leftovers? Yeah, I mean, I, Assassin's I think Creed Brotherhood was essentially stuff which never made it into Assassin's yeah. Creed. There's so no way they'll be able to turn around anything in this in a year. Yeah. Come on, man! It yeah. took it took like five of their studios to turn around Brotherhood in time. Mm. Re- Revelations will be leftovers overs of the leftovers because they're saving that three for the for the next big mm. big hitter. I think and Revelations. Working on three right now. I would imagine Revelations was cobbled together. Well, I don't mean to say it's been cobbled together because I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, but I, I don't think the team will have been as big as, as Brotherhood. I think they would have you know, sectioned off some of the core Assassin's team to get Revelations out there this year. And then the majority of developers, I would imagine, have been working on 3. Because 3 is going to need a whole new setting. I wouldn't expect a new setting for, for Revelations. No. Maybe people have said, oh, Altair is in it. I think you'll, you'll see bits of Altair. I'd imagine you see bits of Ezio as well. Um, so what we're basically saying is we don't think it's going to be like one big open world game, but rather um, separate missions or something. Mate, well, I'm, I, I don't know. It's pure speculation. I mean, just going that, by the teasers. They've done that before on the PSP and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you know? just going by the teasers. I mean, the fact that Altair is in it, there's no way they're making a game without Ezio and going all the way back to Altair. I can't no. see it happening. Yeah. I just can't. The world likes Ezio too much. He's, yeah. too, he's too, too likeable a character. So, um, see, so yeah, I, I see... I see bits and bobs, but I think the majority of the Assassin's team now in Montreal and all over the world is working on three because it takes a lot of time to create new new assets for new locations. Absolutely, yeah. They're, They're picking just, a new time Prototyping period. the art alone is going to take, you know, you, you know, you have a year of just guys drawing yeah. pictures of things. And, and we really don't have a clue where that's going to be. I'm still holding out uh, for Victoria London. Yeah, we, 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 we want awesome. Victoria Maybe London. French Revolution, which was originally rumoured for two. Nah, Who knows? It could, it could be anything. Victoria in London, Ancient that's what it You can climb Big Ben. Jet the Ripper. Yeah. And you, you get, like I say, the, the, the ground's already set. There's um, Spring Hill Jack. Spring Hill Jack, yeah. Mm. I mean, Spring Hill Jack was this like, legendary figure yeah, in Victoria yeah. in London. If I were to do yeah. it, I, I would... Um, I would definitely have Jack the Ripper in there. I would make it so that you have to assassinate him. No one knows why, who Jack the Ripper was or why he stopped because you get in there and you yeah, kill that, him. Yeah, exactly. You could be and the thing is, that there. would tie in perfectly because he was killing prostitutes. And we all know from Two and Brotherhood, like Ezio was affiliated with the, the Thieves Guild, the Fighters Guild and the uh, the Courtesans. Yeah. So you, so it's, he'll it's, be picking off itself. your friends from you, you know from your prostitute guild, yeah, and like he'll right kill one you of your smoky London. You can have bits where there's like steam trains and stuff rolling mm. around. You can have a you can have a fight on top of a steam mm. train or something. I mean, we know pistols work. Pistols have been in the game yeah. already. Yeah, but you could still have. And they had a nice mechanic for the pistols as well. I've yeah. seen they never felt too powerful or anything. Yeah. So I um, think the um, it's I also th- a great opportunity for them to update the multiplayer mode as well if they when this, the release this year. Yeah, I think yeah. it's just a more. Maybe we're biased because we, you know, we really want it. But I think it's a more sort of 
it's a, it's a it's a, a setting that would um, resonate a lot more with people, I think, than the French Revolution, which I think you know I take quite an interest in history, but I wouldn't be able to tell you about the finer details of the French well, Revolution. You look at the Sherlock Holmes movies and stuff like that, you know, yeah, like clothes wise, you know, design wise, you can do some really cool things with yeah. Victorian times. Yeah, and I just think it's like. It's in the Jack the Ripper and all that sort of stuff. You've so, got the big chimney stacks and you know, stuff. So yeah, it's like you've got right the verticality. On the, right on the cusp of the industrial. too. Right on the cusp of the industrial, yeah. you know, just following the industrial kind yeah, of revolution. Especially if you so. set over a period of many years, the yeah. Assassin's Creed 2 was, you can see London go from being like fairly what? provincial to being like uh, mm. just this steam, smoky, yeah. steam powered city. Was, yeah. uh, when was Brunel about? He couldn't be the new Da Vinci, could he? Creative yeah, he absolutely things. could, exactly. Yeah. He really could. I don't the know. thing is, Assassin's 18, Creed already mm-hmm. mashes time zones. Yeah. Like certain characters are alive when they shouldn't be. And, yeah, they already, they always already... take liberties with, by a few years. You could have a city set, set in Bristol. You could. I'd as he's br- building the Clifton Suspension Bridge. I like that. That's something Mikey would like. I mean, the thing is, Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood have sections where you step outside the, yeah. same, the main map mm. for a set, a set mission in a particular area. Imagine that, a little mission on suspension bridge. Yeah, that's right. As a Bristol boy, I'd be very proud of that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, lastly, on, uh, before we sort of move on from E3, let's talk about the things that, that, that we think, uh, we know are kind of out there, but we don't know whether they're going to make the show. So, Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2, yeah. I mean, we know Remedy are working on another big third-person yeah. yeah. action game. I wonder what that is. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this year they've got Forza and they've got Gears. Next year they're going to need something like Halo, and it seems like Alan Wake would be the perfect mm. compliment to that. And you can fully see them te- doing a teaser trailer this year. Yeah. This, I think, will be the year of teasers. Yeah. They will tease stuff, and it will, what they'll be teasing, unfortunately and kind of fortunately, are the games that will close a generation. Mm. When they tease stuff this mm. year... Make no mistake, Halo 4 will be the game, one of the games which closes out this generation. It'll be the end of this this era. Unless, well, unless big shock. Could you imagine if they're like Halo 4, but that's the game that kickstarts the next one? Hey, I mean, they kickstarted the Xbox with Halo. They didn't 360, admittedly, no. but that's a possibility we shouldn't rule out. Mm. I don't see them connect, see- connect too fresh. I don't see if they're going to announce a new machine. It won't be an announcement in, in any conventional mm. sense. It will just be to say we're doing it, and they're going to want, like I say, tenth anniversary of Halo. They're going to want something big and Haloy this year. This is uh, this, this will be as far as I can see. I think Microsoft know it. This should be the year of Halo. Mm. It should be on everyone's lips, and right now it's not. Yeah. So you need to do something about that. Um, Thief Four. I'll be surprised if it's at the show. I think all focus is still on Deus Ex. Mm. I think all focus... And I mean, Eidos Montreal have got uh, Deus Ex to take the show, and Eidos in general have got Tomb Raider and a Final Fantasy. And Hitman. Hitman. And Hitman. They've got enough stuff to show. They've yeah. got enough stuff. Teaser? Uh, possibly. I don't I don't think think they it's been in, de- it's been in development for so yeah, long. They've been working on it ages, but I don't well, think they as, need um, to. Uh, JJB confirmed on our last podcast, he said, you know, they're, they're gradu- everyone the team on Deus Ex is gradually moving on to Thief now. Mm. They're really ramping up production on that. Doom? Do we think Doom's going to be teased? I think they've still got rage on their plate. Yeah. I, think it, I think they'll they'll hold on. But you know, so no, they might. They'll w- count out. When's um, Quake Fest? Quake. Oh Quake yeah, that, that'll be yeah, it'll be. They'll probably surely. announce it. There. That's where you would announce. Yeah, it, yeah. Announce that's it August, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then of course you've got Shinji Mikami's game for Bethesda because he, he he's got a Bethesda studio now. Yeah, we think he might be doing something zombie related. Zomboids. So it could be the true successor to Resident Evil. You know. Yeah. Well, I I I would still say one that's something you could argue that's a true successor to Resident Evil is Shadows of the Damned. Mm-hmm. Certainly a successor to Resi Four. 
Mm-hmm. We're, we're and, really excited about that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, from, again, on the Japan front, we've got Soul Calibur 5. I think that might even be revealed a little bit sooner than that. I think if we, if we were betting people, I mean, Namco have got an event in a couple of weeks. Mm. In fact, the countdown is six days, I think, on the website now. There you Seven go. or six days. So they've got a big event where they're going to be showing things like Ace Combat. Uh, Dark Souls. Dark Souls, sure, which yeah. is going to be a great game. Ridge Racer Unbounded. Ridge Racer Unbounded, an awful, awful name. Don't forget Inversion. Oh, inversion. Inversion and possibly Soul Calibur, we think so. Mm. Uh, and various flavours of Tekken. We know there's at least two different Tekkens in development at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Bayonetta 2. Mm-hmm. You know, we know Bayonetta. We know that um, Hideki Kamaya has been basically working on something for the last two years. It's time to show it, man. But it might be shown at TGS. Yeah. Might, might, might go out in front of a Japanese audience. Be interesting one, that, because I'm sure it all... I'm sure it will find a um, a publisher somewhere, but I, I don't know whether Sega will take it. I think Sega like it, man. I think Sega like being able to say they're publishing really high-quality stuff. Yeah. I think they make a lot of their money from their Sonic games, but I think they like being able to say, we make. I don't think we they've are the got, guys who back this. I don't think they've got anything else in their library that they can say is a real high-quality game. Apart like, from Aliens, I suppose. Uh, Aliens, Colonial Marines, maybe. I AVP. Show, I mean, man. AVP was awful. Yeah, so. but I mean, we are talking about Gearbox here. I mean, they're they're a bit they're a bit better than Rebellion. Yeah, yeah. wasn't it funny? I remember like three years ago, the three of us sitting down saying, "Don't think much of that Gearbox." No, I mean, it's my, amazing how. No, no, no. My my criticism of Gearbox has never been that they don't make quality games. It's been that they take too long to make yeah, them. They come in a timely fashion. Yeah, right? it's just it takes them so it takes them years and years and years mm. to get something. Out. I mean, look at their track record. They have got a pretty good track record. Pretty solid developer. Yeah. Borderlands is good. I think Borderlands, for me anyway, it was the game that proved to me that they could they could really dish out something good. Like Brothers in Arms was fine, but then House Highway came out and that wasn't that much. Well, he wasn't good at all, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying they're a top-tier developer. You know, perhaps they don't make 9 out of 10 games, mm. but they definitely make 8 out of 10 games, and that's good enough for an Aliens game because we've had some Chateau Aliens <laughs> games. You know, So if we get an 8 yeah. out of 10 Aliens game, that's good enough for me. No doubt. Yeah. So that's E3. Uh, we've just we just announced everything. There you go. They need to have a show. You should hang on to this. You get your pen and pencil, out, paper see and pencil, out, write it down. Yeah. See if seeing how right we are. Hey, we're happy to be like to turn out to be wrong. But Especially if the announcements are even better than we've yeah. predicted. I mean, on the on the face of it, this should be an amazing E3. You normally you can say E3 is much like FIFA games. It goes one year on, one year off. You have one year where FIFA's all changed and it's all cool new stuff, and you have one year where it just treads water. Last year was the water treading year for E3. This year, it's new hardware from at least two companies yeah. and new games across the board. Mm. Talk of FIFA, reminded me of EA, Need for Speed. That's obviously just been announced. That'll be there the in a run, big way. Yeah. Syndicate as well. Got to be at E3. Sure. I can see that. Maybe, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah that'll maybe. be the way you'd announce, I think. Yeah. yeah I mean, they yeah. could do the on-stage mm. demo. A Star, a Star Breezes game, Star- isn't yeah. it? Yeah, they've been very quiet. So, yeah, perhaps you're right, yeah. And then don't forget Battlefield, the game that's going to... Battlefield 3. Oh, Riccatello was out this morning talking it up a big, big style, wasn't they, about how uh, they're going to crush COD. I don't think, like Mike says, it's in the office this morning. Commercially, I don't think, I don't think he'll crush it. It won't be this year. But you but know commercially, what? Commercially, but creatively, I think he's yeah. uh, got a very good chance. Critically, well, yeah, but, and the thing is, like, I think this is the year that COD proves itself, though. Yeah. This is the year Infinity Ward roll on out and go, you know what? Uh, we made some mistakes for Modern Warfare 2. We're going to fix them for Modern Warfare 3. All the while, making sure everybody kind of stop doesn't pay too much attention to them losing half their staff mm-hmm. halfway through. They'll roll on out and they'll say, "Hey, listen, you know, most of the game was already finished. We were in the polishing stage by then. Uh, you know, the creative input from those guys was great, but we've had to, we've moved on. We've got we we 
refilled our studio, we rebuilt, and here's a great game. And make no mistake, anytime there's an Infinity Ward Call of Duty, it's time to be excited. Mm. Yeah, and it's, they're putting up against Battlefield. Well, big, yeah, that's, that's cool. Battlefield, I think we can count on to have the great multiplayer yeah. game. Yeah. COD, we can count on to have the great single player game. Mm. And after Modern Warfare 2, which made it, maybe made a few missteps in the multiplayer, mm. and Bad Company 2, which made a lot of missteps in the single player, yeah. makes for a really interesting game. Yeah, fight it does. Come, You're come, right. Come yeah. November time. These are almost sort of polar opposites to one another. I mean, what did you make of the footage of Battlefield? Well, it's jaw dropping, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's stunning. It's. it's uh, I mean, looking they're, beyond. Admittedly, they're running it on a beast PC. Yeah. But the Xbox version we are told will look very similar. I'm sure with slightly lower res assets, slightly fewer shade layers of, you know, shader yeah. passes and lower anti aliasing. Well, I, I, I was at a live demo of that. It was about a 15 minute. Um, he was playing it just behind us on a ridiculous PC and he said well we're aiming to get consoles looking just like this it's like well it won't be just like this in the same way that Crisis 2 on Xbox looks just like <laughs> the console version which it doesn't but you know it does a good impression mm. on it yeah yeah. I think it'll be like that and it, well, no matter what happens it will look better yeah. than Call of Duty it's, the Call of Duty is running on an old engine at this yeah. point a mm. real old engine and you know what if um, if they roll in if EA roll into E3 with uh, Weston Zampella and yeah. say, you know, we're making our own successor to that game Frostbite two. on Frostbite 2. I mean, yeah. EA, EA now has Frostbite and CryEngine 3. They've got the two most powerful engines in the business, really, to play with. And, but at the same time, not the easiest engines to no. use. I mean, everyone's still very well versed in Unreal 3. Everyone knows how to work on Unreal 3. And, you know, there's going to be a whole new learning process for you using Crytek. But I mean, you know, Crytek have been out there trying to tr trying to sell their engine to people and uh, not with a great deal of success. Well, certainly you're not hearing about major games coming in with the Crytek engine. Um, but Frostbite, you don't... I think they're just keeping internally. I mean, yeah, you don't, yeah. you, you don't hear them internally. them saying, hey, um, come and license our Frostbite engine. The new Need for Speed is running on a new Frostbite. So, you know, that's going to be... Yeah. That's going to be one good-looking game. Yeah. So, um, also, I mean, a lot of these games will be at the show that we're going to uh, talk about now. But I mean, one of the games that was announced—not well, not announced, re-announced—kind of the uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe more than that, a month or so ago—was uh, Max Payne Three. Um, we haven't seen it in action, but we, uh, pr you know, I mean, the information is is out there. I mean, Matt, you were a, a bit of a fan of Max Payne back in the day, were you? Yeah, I, I like uh, everything Remedy has done. To be yeah. honest, uh, I think I think John Strike back in the office is the biggest Max Payne Max Payne fan. Certainly, um, it was a PC game originally. Um, that this is why, by the way, uh, I think that there'll be not if they announce GTA Five, it'll be a very kind of like here's GTA Five. Yeah, Rockstar don't like to, yeah. yeah. Rockstar like to have one baby at one yeah. time. Yeah, so they won't be saying look here's Max Payne you haven't seen it for so long here it is oh by the way uh, we've got GTA 5 as well here that is because yeah. no one will give a damn about Max Payne yeah, in that yeah. case and, and even if Rockstar like if Rockstar were to make the crappiest shittest game like table tennis who honestly cares about table tennis but when Rockstar was on table tennis that's all Rockstar cared yeah. about and that was their and message and they made it big just by force yeah, of will not, just, by, is, just by telling this is people us, this. we love this game and you'll yeah. love it too and it's so huge yeah and so they're gonna their next big thing after LA Noir ships uh, in a th three weeks time now mm. um, will be Max Payne and I, I think it's encouraging that they've gone back and completely changed it mm. um, I know originally when all the uh, 
the the first concept art came out, people were like, "Well, that's not Max Payne." But what are you going to do? I mean, you can't you can't have them. Well, you can't get Sam Lake back, I guess. <laughs> no, but also, I mean, you can't. I mean, that that concept, the whole bullet time thing, the whole you know, private eye on a like a a revenge mission, the old shat face. You know, I mean, it's all nineties. It's it's, it's, it's Matrix. It's and it's the Matrix and it's Hong Kong action cinema. It's uh, it's John Woo. Yeah. It's uh, hard boiled. Yeah. It was, it was it grew on all of these things, and you know things have moved on now. And the modern the modern sort of you know crime thrillers aren't you know the John Woo uh, hard boiled yeah. world anymore. Now it's it's you know it's the the Michael Mann style, yeah. it's the Chris Nolan style. It's like when mm. Chris Nolan did his Batman movies, it was like making this like city which just feels really real, you know. Yeah. You know, even if it's got this guy dressed as a giant bat walking around it, you feel like the city yeah. is a real place, yeah, like yeah. a breathing place. And like, you know, that's the way you represent the city now. Yeah. The, that noir city is kind of gone. It's done. It's had its day. It had, it had its day in the 90s. Yeah. And the modern one is... Funny, actually, the modern representation of the city is actually what Michael Mann was doing with Heat back in the 90s. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny how Hollywood works that way. Yeah. And they had to bring it up to date. And, you know, if they want to do a modern noir, then modern noir will look very different mm. to what 90s noir looks. A year, a year ago, pretty much now, I was um, over in Vancouver seeing the... <laughs> the now cancelled true crime um and there was a guy one of the main guys on true crime at united front was on max Payne, and he'd left months before and he said well he didn't say explicitly but he alluded to a lot of problems back th- a couple I of years ago in the game why we so i think it's, for yeah so it's, it's gone underground for so long because they in, were in really what, struggling what sort with of it. problems just development issues. I think people pulling in different directions. Right. I mean, don't forget we heard there were a lot but of They said that about Red Dead. That's exactly what mm. I'm going to say. We, they said that about Red Dead, and look how great Red Dead yeah. turned out to be. So I think it's good that Rockstar has just taken the time to you know, take it out of the spotlight for, for a couple of years and mm. just work on it quietly so they can finally come back and say, look, this is our game now. Because if it was going to be released, when was it? A year and a bit ago it was originally Ooh, due to yeah. be? Maybe end of last year. I mean, then you would have been looking at a game with with a lot of issues. Mm. I mean, even now it's not finished. Nowhere no. near to. But, um, yeah, it's had a very troubled past. Yeah. So expect them to to treat this one with kid gloves, but expect them to hit big because they, they're not going to pour money for two years into a, into a troubled project for it to come out and be crap. Mm. They want to make this the next Red Dead. Yeah, yeah. Rockstar don't do bad games, man. If, no. they, if something's looking bad, they just axe it. It's interesting what you were saying in the office yesterday, Mike. We can't really talk an awful lot about um, about L.A. Noir because we're in the process of, of of reviewing it at the moment. But but interesting what you're saying about the interpretations of noir because Max Payne had a ve- had a very like traditional kind of uh, interpretation of noir, yeah. sort of like a dark, you know, steam filled alleys, rain, yeah, rainy. It was you know, it's all light and shadow. Whereas L.A. Noir, which you expect to kind of have that kind of vibe, that no, sort of nineteen forties noir, very much like a modern noir. You mm. know, it's very much you know, like, uh, you, like you said, the sun baked, sort of oversaturated. Mm. Kind of uh, bleached out LA streets, you know. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a daytime noir rather than a nighttime noir. Yeah, I, I, and I guess LA Confidential is probably responsible for a a I lot of that, so, you yeah. know, the sort of look of the. And uh, movie you've seen Brick? I haven't. Brick no. is like oh, a yeah. noir, it's like yeah. a, a detec- noir detective film set in a high school. Right. It's got um. Oh, what's his name? The from kid from Inception. Kid from Inception. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, Jane. I always want to call him uh, Gordon. Uh, Hewitt, Levitt, oh, yeah, Levitt, yeah, Levitt, yeah, yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. I also want to call him. J- I also want to call him. Uh, 
James Joseph, Hewitt. Um, Love Hewitt. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> but uh, okay, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of got that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Again, I can't talk about. It. I am reviewing it at the moment. Like on our last podcast, I was joking that everybody looks like a boglin <laughs> in that game because you know they got those rubbery faces. Yeah. But what I will say now is that you know what the facial tech is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. Um. Again, I wish I could tell people what. Yeah, yeah on the, the next game. podcast we'll be able to talk about it in more detail. On the next probably we can, but. Um, it's fair to say you're having fun. Yeah, I can, what I can say is I'm playing two games that are out in May. One of them is is abysmal, and one of them is excellent. Yeah. And LA Confidential is is not the abysmal one. LA, LA Noir. Noir. Oh, God, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that's good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and, and one of the other games announced, less well-known than Max Payne, Dragon's Dogma. I'm really excited about Dragon's Dogma. I genuinely am. Like, I know it's got a chateau name. It's got a terrible it name. It has. It's but got a name that is is created solely to make sure it doesn't sell any copies. It's got a name that's perfect if it turns out to be bad, though. Because you know the strap writes itself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Dragon's dog shit. Guaranteed. But, right? I mean, I'm, I, Lost Planet, I'm not... I thought I'd be really into Lost Planet way back when, and I wasn't. It wasn't quite what I wanted, but this seems to be a, a cross between Moss, Moss Planet, Lost Planet, and Monster Hunter. Moss Planet, and that's yeah, really exciting. Game, though, it? The world looks like the world looks like it's going to be going up against Dark Souls' world. It's a big open fantasy world, um, but populated by these giant beasts that you tackle uh, in a way that you. You haven't really done since Shadow of the Colossus. You have to climb over them, grab tufts of fur. It's amazing more people haven't ripped that off, man. It is. It am- every day amazes me that no one's yet got round to mm. ripping off Shadow of the Colossus. I guess it must just be really Castlevania hard to did. do. Castlevania is about the only thing that did it in a big way, and then yeah. that only saved it for, and I think, there were like three, three yeah, titans three in that whole game. And those were some of the worst bits of the game as well. Do you think? I really oh, enjoyed them. They were, they were very like, on rails, I would say. Yeah, but it's, but it's, it's more like, you know, you know, yeah, definitely on rails, whereas... When you were fighting in Colossus, it's so like organic. You were fighting something that was alive, yeah. You know? But yeah, I mean, Dogma is. So I mean, it's a game where you're playing with like two other AI companions, and, yeah. Uh, and that instantly rings alarm bells. But of course, I mean, let's face it, you're going to be able to play with your buddies in those co-op slots. Yeah, they haven't confirmed it yet, but you just know, no, they will. In fact, I think it's up to three. They've said mm-hmm. screenshots only show two at the moment, but it's up to three. Um, it's just nice to see something coming out of Capcom for a change. They've been so busy farming yeah. out all their franchises to, to other developers. I mean, um, Dead Rising went to Blue Castle, now Capcom Vancouver. Resi's gone to Slant 6. Bionic Commando went to Grin. Devil May Cry has gone to Ninja Theory. Yeah. Um, Even Street Fighter 4 was handled partially Dimps. by Dimps. Yeah, so it's like Capcom haven't been doing a lot in-house recently. Certainly not on, on 360 and PS3. They've been doing some DS stuff and whatnot. So it's good to know finally what their internal studios have been I working on. And it's just a part of the way Japan does business, you know. It's like when you get to the top, you kind of sort of stay at the top. And it's it's not so often that young guys get a chance to rise up. Mm-hmm. And I think when they lost basically all of their top talent to yeah. Platinum, like all of a sudden they had this There's massive no brain drain. No they had no one to, to step into the shoes of those guys. And w- when they did it, it ended up with things like Resi 5, which mm-hmm. just wasn't up to the name at all. Yeah. Um it's interesting that this is the biggest team Capcom's ever assembled for a game. I mean, I know like teams are always getting bigger as, as the hardware goes on. It's just you know a fact of the industry. But I wonder whether they'll keep that name though. It's such a terrible name that I, I just you know we all laugh about it and stuff. But then we've got visibility on these new yeah. games, you know. And and I guess people who read our mag and who are on the the net a lot looking at gamey stuff will have visibility on it too. But once it gets out into the general public. 
and it's got a name that says, please don't buy me. I just, I, you know, th- that sort of extra, going that extra. Yeah. I mean, because let's, let's not make any bones about it. You know, Capcom need a biggie. You know, they yeah. need this to be a biggie. Because they've had some, they've had a few misses, few though, well, quite a few misses. I mean, it's funny that the only thing that's been keeping them up in afloat the last few years in Street Fighter. Mm. Street Fighter did so well for mm. them, so far above their expectations. Well, commercially, Resi Five was the best-selling Resi ever, mm. so that certainly pumped money back into it. Mm. It wasn't received nearly as well as they would have liked. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. They need another big franchise because certainly, I mean, Devil May Cry. Everyone's been pretty well, negative again, about I, that. I, we're, we're all neglecting Monster Hunter, of course, which is their biggest cash cow. Yeah, I suppose every, so. Yeah. In Japan, it's a religion. It's yeah. like everybody plays it. It's it's their Pokemon in every way. Like yeah. You, they, if they only made Monster Hunter from now until the end of time, they would be still fine. be just fine. Yeah. How does something like that get so big? I mean, it's just PSP is huge in Japan, yeah. and yeah. it was just the right game. You know, it was just a, just the perfect game for PSP. Yeah. Yeah. People get together, and it's not because in Japan you don't play online. You get together with your buddies and you play. So you know the four of you all sit around. You've all got your own screen. You're all playing together. You're all communicating. You're all just chatting, hacking away monsters, grinding, leveling up. Everything Japan Japanese gamers love to do. Yeah. So yesterday, Matt, you were uh, you were chatting to the guys from Volition about uh, another game that's going to be at E3. It's going to form a big part of uh, a THQ's presence. There is Saints Row Three. Yeah, um, so Saints Row the Third. I, I chatted. To oh yeah, sorry, that. Saints Row the Third. Did they say why they called it Saints Row the no, Third? No, I've asked the question, so they're gonna. I, I didn't want to waste my time. Like, is it on because the phone it's like them? the Third Street Saints or something? Oh, it might be because they're yeah. this, they're loading their location on the um, yeah, it might the be game yeah or something like that. Because I mean, it was really called Saints Row because they were based out of Saints Row. Yeah, the Saints of Saints Row. I think it's. I think Gemma originally picked up on it being Saints Row, Saints Row 2, Saints Row the 3rd. It's the Blackadder thing. I said it to the PR and she laughed. She she said, well, I, I'm thinking of Shrek. Right, it's Shrek yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. So I said, oh, does that mean the fourth one's going to be Saints Row Ever After or something? Right. Happily that, Ever After. Mean, well, the, the better the other thing to say was, oh, that's good. Does that mean it's going to be shit? <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, I don't like Shrek. So overrated. The thing is, so overrated. The thing is, with, um, the sort of, uh, uh, the, calling it Saints Row the 3rd and also the the sort of logo for the game and the way that they've pitched a lot of the artwork is it makes it look like quite classy and sort of yeah. and it makes it sound quite classy and yeah that couldn't be further oh, from the it's, truth it's, it's, I mean it's the, the most classless game yeah. I mean the, they're trolling on their trailers they released I think on the DVD perhaps with this um this mag, I'll have to check, it might be the one the month after. They released the world's first gameplay video of Saints Row. And all it is is literally a two-second clip of someone punching someone else in the nads. They're just trolling you. Yeah. And, yeah, there, there's there's nothing classy about Saints Row. But that's what we love about it, is that you can just strip well, down to nothing. We our latest dish with a woman beating a man to death with a gigantic dildo. Yeah. So we, say, we say gigantic, I mean, like, like size of your leg. Yeah, life-size, yeah. yeah. Life-size dildo. <laughs> Um, and don't forget the one about the the woman in the bikini sprinting away from a massive explosion behind yeah. her. So. Yeah, yeah. This is there a game. Some great screenshots in that oh, in that no, reveal right. uh, package. I mean, we were chatting um, about various bits and bobs as you do with the developers, and we were asking them for stories. And some of the things they're coming up with that they've been testing, um, some of it's made it into the game, some of it that hasn't. Has just been. It just mm. sounds great. I mean, we had we were cackling. We were literally cackling in the office with literally Saints Row. Cackling. With Saints Row Two, uh, Rob created a character called Ethel Lau, who was a giant Chinese transvestite who wore a bikini, and we put her on a quad bike, and she just raced around this. In fact, in a, a shopping mall 
with wasn't you it a hard blowing out of speeches? I was amused by that man. I was watching that. So I was watching you guys giggle your asses off. I was like, this is some weak comedy. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> this is some um, weak. This is some how, how about the sewage spraying then? Jumping uh, into yeah, the. See, see, that's that's a shame. That's not coming back for the. Uh, I know. Game, I don't. Right? I don't. Know why d- I wonder why they're not doing that. The muck spraying. No, they've said. DLC, they've, they've, yeah. They've dumped a few things. They've brought some new things in, like Professor Genki's super. The ethical funhouse or something, it's like which, a Japanese is, game which is Takeshi's castle yeah. right. crossed with the Running Man. Yeah. And then on the phone, they're like, "Are you familiar with the Running Man?" I'm like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> it's like one of the author's favorite films. Claiming, you, for, claiming for dollars. That's it? right. Yeah, you should have said. You should have just put the phone down on them. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Running Man? Bang. Are you a freaking jerk? <laughs> So, um, no, I mean, they're really hyped about their game and we're really hyped about it because... I love talking to Volition, man. You you chat to some developers and they're kind of like, yeah, we're making this game. It's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then you talk to Volition, they're just like, oh... I, you you got to play our game. They're man. kids in the candy yeah, store. Our game. We just oh, look at look at this crazy thing we've done. And look at this and look at this. And they just they just want to show you stuff from yeah. their game. They're so excited mm. about what they're making. Our insider cast, not this issue that's out next week, but the month after um, our June issue, will have uh, Jim. No, the June issue, um, the one that's on sale in June, will have Jim Boone on the insider oh. cast. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a special insider cast where we sat down with the oh, man who's, who, who's worked on every Red Faction yeah. and he's just talking about the game he loves to make. He's, a, he's really good. He's a really. lovely man. He's a, and uh, he's a, just a absolutely passionate absolutely passionate about the game he's making, you know? I just, get the, I just get the feeling that Volition are one of those developers who make the game they want to make rather than making the game they think will sell the most copies. Mm. And obviously they want to sell it too, but... They're more than anything. They're just pouring themselves into the game. Yeah. You walk around that studio. You talk to all of those guys. All of the jokes that make it into that game are the kind of jokes mm. they're telling to one another. You know. Yeah. All of the characters that they, they, they make it into those games are the kind of characters they they want to play with. Mm. Although that's not might not necessarily be the case with uh, Mr. Red Faction, who yeah. apparently went through so many revisions, it just got to the point where like we just got to we just got yeah. to run with something. Yeah. But, uh, is that really what they said? Well, it was when I was chatting to them, they were kind of saying he went he just went through revision after revision after revision after revision. And yet he looks so generic. I know, I know. And then they said they said they could never find anything that was was quite right. And what they've got, I think, is like the closest they could get to being right. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with them. Yeah. I, I, I still think he looks a bit generic. It's like they haven't even given him any, like, scars or, or anything. He's got an earring. Yeah, a lovely earring. Although I think that's actually gone now. I'm not saying scars is like how to define a character, by the way, but you know, like no distinguishing marks. That's right. I mean, Marcus Phoenix is Mister Gennaro Soldier, but he's got a bandana and a scar, yeah, and, yeah. and he's, he's got that. Looks like he's got been, that armor, and you yeah. sort of know with the cog on it, and you yeah. sort of know what. He looks like he's been set on fire at some point, you know, yeah, and quick, very quickly put out, and that's. He that's is an incredibly generic kind of design, but Dom's beard is just getting bigger with every game. He just gets hairier with each game. In the third Gears of War, he's got like a full Kimbo slice beard. <laughs> And um, mm, I'm not sure about the, his look. I sort there. of wonder how, how developers kind of create a character, you know, yeah. how, how they sort of, I think JJ, whether it comes first or whether it sort of comes once they've got the... I think going back to what JJB was saying the other week on the podcast, it's like, I think too often developers think about character design. Like they design a character rather, rather than designing a man and then dressing the man. Mm. Like, you got, that's, that's, I think, the way to design a character. You create this guy's face and this body, and then you pick outfits from them, outfits that are appropriate. And that's how you come up with something that looks real and credible. And I think that's kind of what Rockstar do. They kind of 
design characters without designing the character. They yeah. design a person. They design mm. an actor. Because Marston was pretty. John Marston from Red Dead. He was pretty average, yeah. but he was he was just great. It's just the way he carried himself well in the dressed, game. Well animated and mm. yeah, you know they did they and they they, they just they just get it, got it just right. And I think when it with with uh, old what's his face Darius Mace Darius Mason. I think what they've done is they've designed a character, like like the weakest comic book mm. character you could design, mm. rather than designing an actor and then dressing an actor. I would go as far to say that that's their weakest thing about their game. Yeah, I, I'm really we've just add code into the office now. Yeah, I mean, I play I've played it extensively up until now. I haven't yet jumped on the review code. Um, I think Mike and I are gonna fight over who get who gets that treat. But uh, it's a uh, it's a great great game. I'm I'm really hyped for it. I think, I mean, Mike says Volition's a studio that makes games they want to make rather than make games that they think will be commercially successful. And I think a game that people want to play is a, is a game that was selfishly made in development. Like, I want to play something that is made because the devs are really passionate about it, not because the devs think they can make a couple of million off the back of, you know, aping this other title that's mm. a bit similar. I think the selfish games, like the Mizuguchi games out there, the Mikami games, I consider them quite selfish, quite personal. They're the they're the ones that I find there's much more in them because mm. they're you got in jokes in some of them, or I mean, you don't in something like Res, but you know it's something that somebody's so passionate about and they've just spent years of their life devoted to making it the game you want Kojima to play. Kojima games are like that. Where you, Could you, oh, especially where you're like in Metal Gear Solid Four, you've got something like you know like eight different machine guns. You're like, well, did you really need that <laughs> many? And then Kojima's just like, I love guns, man. <laughs> I just love guns. And he's like, you can imagine him there on over the like the, the artist's shoulder going, yeah, we need to get more guns. And he's like, you know, you, need to draw, you need to draw me some more guns. And then we have to make sure they all feel right, so they're all balanced right, because the guy just wanted... He, he gets so precious about things yeah. that nobody else would ever care mm. about. It's why he's regarded as one of the greatest creators I mean, in that's good. I always... I always feel a little sad when I hear developers come out and say, "Yeah, we've we've done so much fan feedback, and we've uh, we've done so many surveys, and we we yeah, go on the forums." It's like no, because that dilutes the game that you originally intended to make. Like you've got so many people pulling and pushing this game in certain directions. You've got marketers who say, "Oh, you have to do this, and you can't do this," and you've got jerks on the internet. And let's face it, on the internet, there are lots of jerks who are very vocal about what should be in a game and what shouldn't. Yeah. I think developers should have the confidence to ignore what outside influences are saying yeah. to a point i mean i'm if they come out with a game that gets three out of tens across the board and like there are, there are four very clear points that are wrong with it they shouldn't just ignore it and say, oh, yeah i know what you mean it. though but sometimes think, you have to tra- stay true to you yeah but you i think they should just listen like to themselves a, like great directors in hollywood going onto forums going listen i've got a, a problem with this scene that's <laughs> <laughs> right yeah uh, you know it's like they're not taking feedback on it they're doing they're putting their vision on the screen and you know you put you you ask people for feedback you're going to get a thousand different people yeah. saying a thousand different things and you know and, it, and then it does become this kind of watered down proposition you just have to stay oh, true to what you believe you're is better off making your own decision yeah. right i mean as you say when you ask for a thousand opinions you'll get a thousand opinions and you still have to pick one yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day. and everyone everyone is going to have a different yeah. opinion well, it, it's, I think it's pretty much impossible to make a game that will please everyone you won't, you won't game, be able to. Game you, can't, that, you can't produce any entertainment you get 10 medium. out of 10s 99% across the board there will be some haters and the, the more on Metacritic <laughs> gives it a 1 yeah the, like, there are the, you know? the more people you try to appeal to perhaps you know the, the less true your game is going to be it's like be it's point. like you know I use the example of of um my, my book, you know, my first book, like most people were quite kind about it. One, you know, but a couple of people were like, 
one guy said it's literally the best book I've ever read in my life. And I was like, I'm sure it's not, <laughs> you know, but it's very kind of you to say so. And another woman said to me, it's literally the worst book I've ever read in my entire life. It's so bad I couldn't finish it. And I smashed it down on the arm of my sofa and threw it across the room. And that's okay because she's dead now. Yeah, that's right. I hunted her down. But that's the kind of that's the kind of you know scope of opinion you're going to get from from the internet and from feed, feedback. So you can't. You, I mean, you, if someone's every single message you get says this, this was wrong with your book or this was wrong with your game or this was wrong with your film, then you know maybe that there's a point yeah. there that you need. But to otherwise, take on board. you just have to say, "See you later." I'm going on to make the mechanic, whatever yeah. it was, you know. Yeah. Sort of mechanic the other day. Oh yeah, any good? Oh god, it's all a bit Simon West, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I directed Conair. Conair's an all right movie. Conair is. Also, the Tomb Raider movie. It sucked. Yeah. I seem to remember an uh, interview with Stephen E. D'Souza. Oh yeah, uh, legend. Uh, Die Hard, legend. Action, Commando, action legend. Yeah, Commando. He um, said he said he wrote a pass on to I think it was Tomb Raider. He said the thing about Simon West is that he has no room for twists. He does not do twists. The plot in a Simon West movie is absolutely linear. Absolutely linear. It starts, it has a middle, and it has an end. And along that way, you'll follow a very, very, very straight line. The plot won't take any big diversions because the words just distract from the action. And he said then he realised it's like his writing style wasn't compatible with that kind of the content. And here's the thing about the mechanic. It does have twists, but they're bullshit. It is the least satisfying action movie ever because A, the action sequences suck. B, Every single character in that movie is unlikable. Every single character. And every single character has got a reason to hate everybody else. Is he... Is I, I don't know that much about it. Is he like okay, a hitman? So he's a hitman. He's right. called, they call it... He's a mechanic. Because he fixes problems. I have no idea, but it's ironic that he's also a mechanic. Oh, really? right. So, so they what, in his spare time? Or? Yeah. He's, he just he's, does he's, it he's he likes it. He's just fixing his car up. R right, okay. <laughs> right, so he just likes fixing up his car. And he has to kill... This guy is a totally villainous dude who runs his mechanics organization, sends him after one of the other dude who runs the mechanics organization, right? His hitman organization. Mm. And you're like, hang on a second, because the guy he's sent to kill is Donald Sutherland. Right. And the guy who sends him to kill Donald Sutherland is the bad guy from The, the Sixth Day. Oh, man. You don't know his name. It doesn't matter. He's a character actor. He does lots, does lots of stuff. He's actually very good. But he's very good at playing bad guys. He's also the voice of Tarzan in the Disney Tarzan. Yeah, Sick Day is that Schwarzenegger one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. cloning. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so this guy who's playing, who's played a bad guy in like a million movies, is deeply sinister. <laughs> is sending the, the mechanic to kill kindly old uncle Donald Sutherland. Something suspicious here. But again, Statham goes and does it anyway, and then he finds out he's been played. So you're like, oh, twist, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a twist, of course, you see it coming. Because... Is it called The Sixth Day? Yeah. Oh, it is, yeah, you're right, yeah, yeah. here we go. So he goes, um, he goes and uh, kill, he kills this guy. He feels like he's been played, but the fact is, old Donald Sutherland kind of deserved it anyway. But then Donald Sutherland's son comes along and is like, I want to be a mechanic like you to take revenge on the person who killed my dad. And Jason Statham's like, oh, but I killed his dad. But it would be wrong for me not to train him anyway because I feel responsible. So basically, Statham is training this guy to kill him, oh, right? Man. So he spends them... Uh, spoilers, everybody. I'm, I'm not, I don't care anymore. This is an awful movie. You don't want to see it. So J 
Jason Statham is training this guy up basically to be a total badass, but he's not a total badass. He's a complete bungler. The guy bungles every job he does. Every single job he does, he bungles, and Statham has to fix it. You think by like the third assignment that he's bungled, <laughs> like Statham would be like, you know what, this probably isn't going to work. This out just sounds like a comedy. Is it? A- no, <laughs> it's like the most serious movie ever. It's so po-faced. It's like Citizen Kane, uh, and <laughs> like, that's how seriously they take themselves. And like this guy bungles everything. This is the guy who plays Angel in the X Men movie <laughs> with doing, oh, yeah. doing some of his acting oh, in, in inverted commas. Old. Uh, uh, a guy who works in the office on an, on Endgame, Matt, uh, who does some writing for us, Matt Castle, absolutely hates <laughs> Ben Foster. Well, it's funny. Absolutely it hates Matt him. Castle I was watching the film with. Right, okay. So we were just chatting to us to one another all the way through it. We, we, like I say, with the bungler. I don't know what the character's name was, but we call him the bungler. He he bungles everything. Like He sneezes when he, can, he doesn't need to, drops a bullet when he's not supposed to, uh, kills guys when he's not supposed to. He's given a simple job. So Jason Statham says to him, right, you've got to poison this guy. All you gotta do is put uh, it's, it's, it's this big gay dude. You're gonna be tend to be this like this gay twink guy who's gonna hook up with this big bear guy, and you're gonna poison his stuff, right? His drink. Go back to his apartment, poison his drink. It'll look like he's had a heart attack. The bungler goes back to this guy's apartment, and he's in there taking a look around, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be easy. He's pouring a drink, no problem. And bear in mind, Ben Foster is about five foot three. This guy was like eight feet of pure muscle. This guy was like Ed 209. And, and Ben Foster decides, I'm going to take this guy on. I'm going to strangle him. Oh. The guy beats the living piss out of him. Eventually, Ben Foster gets the upper hand and basically stabs him to death with a screwdriver. Mm. Like, I don't think that's what Jason Statham had in mind. <laughs> yeah. And so it goes on through the movie, bungles everything. Uh, and at the end, um, he finds out that Jason Statham killed his dad. And he's like, and they both have this really like this conversation in the car, which is really like, oh, I know he knows I killed him. And the other guy, and old Ben Foster's like, I know he killed my dad. I think he probably knows I know he, I know, and he knows I know, and he mm. knows. Like, it's like one of those things. You're like, oh, God. So Ben Foster commits the ultimate mistake, <laughs> right? The ultimate mistake, which is he decides to blow up Jason Statham <laughs> rather than just shooting him. All right. When you shoot someone, you know you got a body, right? Yeah. The reason they killed Osama bin Laden the other day with a, a, a SEAL team was because they wanted to have a body to identify. Mm. Normally, like when you kill guys like that, you just airstrike them. Yeah, they actually wanted a body, and that, and they, that makes sense in a movie sense as well, because that way, when the explosion goes off, Jason Statham won't be tucking and rolling his way out of there, which yeah. is what you find out he does. Of course, he does. Now, this is the weirdest thing that happens at the end because Ben Foster goes, old Jason Statham just hits the road. Which we find out he's alive after Ben Foster goes back to Jason Statham's apartment where he's been living. All the way through the film, Ben Foster's been told, "Don't touch my record player, don't touch my record," because that's that's um that's uh, Jason Statham's like cool thing. That's his thing. Right, he listens okay. to cool classical music or jazz or some right, bullshit. Okay. So Ben Foster's like, ah, "It's my apartment now, baby. I'm gonna play some music." Puts a record on the player. It's only hooked up to a bomb, isn't it? Oh, it's only hooked up to a bomb. Oh, oh Ben Foster. But here's the really weird part. Doesn't get caught in that bomb. What? Because he goes outside and gets in um <laughs> he gets in uh, the car that the mechanic's been working on all the way through does. the film. Oh. His nice E type jag. 
he's driving that down the road. Guess what? It's only hooked up to a bomb, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> no way. So every, at the end, everything explodes. Oh. <laughs> that sounds that size amazing. <laughs> Jason Statham drives off into the sunset. All the way through the film, doesn't smile once. Absolutely. Well, Statham. Does. Yeah, right. after the most miserable, po-faced film. If you were training someone to kill you, wouldn't you like leave out a few key things that you know you could beat him in? Was he properly yeah, training? He was he training? No, he fully trains the guy up. Yeah. But they never have like a face-off because Ben Foster has already proven at that point that he can't take on a big man. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's only a little dude. So he, um, at, pet, at a petrol station, he leaves the petrol pump like burning on the floor and just sits him sitting in the car having the Snickers or whatever, just, uh, just chilling out at the petrol station. And then Ben Foster runs around the corner, looks, looks around, shoots the petrol. And then on the, later on, you see on the security camera, at that by that point, Jason Statham has already tucked and rolled his way out of there. He basically snuck out, rolled, so that um, Ben Foster couldn't see him getting out of there, and the explosion goes off. This sounds like mm. a great comedy. It really does sound like, it's like a great comedy. like Cop Out or something. Yeah. But Cop Out was awful. Man alive. Yeah. But Statham, you can normally rely on Normally him. count to do like some good stuff, but yeah. even as an action movie, it's not that great. Right. Really bloody, though. Yeah? Yeah, real bloody. I'll tell you what else is bloody that I... I I finished uh, the other day was uh, Spartacus Gods of the Arena. So you've been hyping up Spartacus big time. This is the prequel to the first season because the, the guy who plays Spartacus got uh, got cancer. Right. So and then uh, so they delayed the filming of the second season and, and filmed a, a six episode prequel instead. And they were all ready to roll on the second season when he got it's cancer. The first he got one, cancer right? again. So they've had to. Um, I think they've replaced him for the proper second season. So the first season is blood and blood and sand. Yeah. And then this prequel's called Gods of the so, Arena. Uh, just to put it into context for our listeners, like all I do, I come into the office and I hear Hoodie and Tim talking about, <laughs> yeah, about Spartacus. And you reckon it's not very good, right? It's but not it's great. It's just entertaining. No, it's, it's not well written. Uh, it's terribly acted. Uh, the first season, this, the prequel's a bit, like the budget is obviously a bit higher because the first season did quite well. But the, the, the sort of, you can t- tell that it's fairly low budget the first season as well. Mm. But it's just com- completely, massively violent, isn't m- completely it? compelling. You know, you just—it's brutally compelling. <laughs> you know, you you—it's so violent. It's the most violent thing I've ever seen on TV. It's a bit sexy as it's well. It's tons of sex in it. Like a- any sort of sex that you you you're into—gay sex, lesbian sex, you know, heterosexual sex—it's all in there. Get all it in covered. there. All covered. Yeah. All bases covered. Yeah. Uh, there's you know there's it's got lawless lady it, right? lady bits. For the men, yeah. bloke bits for the women. Yeah. So bloke bits eviscerated for the men. That's right. There's some some penis evisceration in it. Yeah. Uh, and then in and and hoodie when he when he um, when he lent it to me said there's a bit in the series. It's like that bit. Mike, you're a fan of the Shield. It's like when they say to you, I think it was like season three, and they say there's a scene in season three where you are like. You'll know the bit I get to. It's with um, oh, what was his blooming name? The 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 Hispanic guy who ran the of Armington. Yeah. What was his name? Acevedo. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a bit with Acevedo. You'll know the bit I mean when you get to it, and you think, oh, well, I'll probably forget, it, but you know exactly what that bit is, yeah. and because uh, it's so like, Whoa. but uh, and there's a bit in in the first season of Spartacus, and Hoodie said there's a bit. Uh, I think it's I might the last episode, second from last episode. You'll know the bit. And it is this, uh, this isn't a plot spoiler or anything, but there's a, a, a penis gets completely eviscerated. And it is like a what moment you like you thought you'd never see on TV, you know. Does it end up like a cheese string or something? Is it, like- it, it was like a, um, how is it best to describe it? It was like a sort of 
horse's sort of mate, uh, tail. You know, it was like okay, uh, okay. like just stri- it's like a string, like string of meat. String of meat, yeah, yeah, and it was just you know just unbelievable. Um, but like I, I say, got a home to watch. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it, it's not like Rome was like a properly made historical kind of, yeah. you know, like well acted, well scripted. This is not well acted, not well scripted. Although I will say, John Hanna is immense in it. Absolutely John immense. Hanna, yeah, the, John, the mummy's John Hanna. The mummy's John Hanna. In he an played, ironic sense? Or? No, no, he's, he's, he genuinely is the standout performer. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's I not like... Hanna can actually act, though. Yeah, right? it's not like Marlon Brando, but you can yeah. tell he's having a lot of fun with it, you yeah. know, and, like, he's, like, plainly the best actor in it, and he gets some absolutely immense lines. Okay. So it's it's really good, and the, the prequel is really, really good as well. I was, like, properly getting into it. I watched five of them back-to-back as a reward for finishing my... um my book and stuff so I was like watched them back to back and I don't I never watch anything even a series I love back to back but watch these because they're just so like they just you know flow into one it's just great you finish your book now book three yeah it's all done finally seven seven months uh, it's untitled actually because they they're not sure they want to call it what it was originally going to be called is it going to have dead in the name again no I don't think so because then you back yourself into a corner don't you because eventually you have to say call yourself the dead and dead, dead. Yeah, the dead, dead. The dead of night. But you could have that one for free. Thanks, thanks a lot. But um, but you have to, someone has to die at night or something. Yeah, yeah. Just no, no day scenes. No. The dead of night. That, thanks, thanks, Pat. Uh, but yeah, so set <laughs> seven months of um, of doing nothing but writing is over, so I get time to relax, when play does, a few games, maybe when watch a bit of TV. F- when does book four start? Because you've got a contract for four. As yeah. Well, I'll probably start in the autumn. I'll I'll start planning it out now, but I'll probably start in the autumn. But I'm going to enjoy some time off now. I uh, play a few games. You know, well, I fancy a bit of L.A. Noir. Mm-hmm. Might go back to Batman. Try and finish, finish Batman. Batman. And it's in uh, time for the sequel. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, get in, get in the mood for the sequel, and then uh, and then watch. I have got some TV. Got that Game of Thrones to catch up Game on. Game of Thrones, and, yeah. Game of Thrones is good. That's got a lot of a uh, lot of swearing, a lot of sex. Yeah, yeah. Boardwalk Empire, I got as well. Yeah. So yeah, got a bit of true blood. So I've got plenty of uh, plenty to catch up on. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And you, Pella, what's your entertainment uh, story? I don't know. General what? entertainment story. I watched Back to the Future two last week. Oh, what for God. the first time? No, I'd seen it before. I wasn't impressed when I was little. It was. So that, actually, holds up my movie. It's not too. No, bad. it's very good. I still maintain. For me, I don't think it is the weakest film, but it's my least favorite of the three. Ah, oh, see, I think the third um, one's the weakest one. Matt Castle said the same as well, I, but I, I really like the third one. Although I have to watch it again, maybe it doesn't hold no, up. I like now. the third one. I, think the third I don't good. like the third one. Here, here's why I don't like two nearly as much as the rest. Because first one, fifties, cool time period, mm. very cool film, very classy. Third one, western. It's a happy, jovial western time. Everyone's having a gay old time. It's a real it's, calamity, Jane. Western. Yeah, it's, it's a good laugh. Two, so depressing. I wanted to kill myself. The future is horrible. Even the good future is horrible. Like that family. Just no, no. Life is miserable. Yeah, right? they hate it. Everything's broken. He gets fired. <laughs> They've got no money in a car accident. He's right, and then Biff, depressing. Yeah, and then Biff goes back to the past and yeah. changes it even worse. Yeah, it's a terrible his past. Mother. His father was murdered. Like kids are shipped off. That's strong. Bit of back to the Future trivia, actually, right? When he goes back to the past, everyone always asks the same question. The fact is, Biff manages to bring the DeLorean back to the present. I said this to Lucy straight after. I said, "Why?" I can tell it? you. I can tell the, you. The, the deleted in, scene. In Back to the Future. 
uh, changes to the past propagate through time slowly. It's like a wave. It's like it's... a wave which moves forward through time. So when like when Marty McFly goes back to the past, accidentally raises himself from existence, his older brother dies first. Like he yeah. fades from the photo first, then his older sister, and yeah. then he starts to fade because it's propagating through time. It's yeah. taken out the oldest brother's birth first, then it took out the older sister's birth, and then it's hitting Marty. Yeah. And it's propagated through time. So Biff is able right then and there to travel back to yeah. the future. Hey, travel back to the future and leave the DeLorean there. But there was a deleted scene where Biff, because if you notice, he staggers out of the car, yeah, clutching he has his like chest. Heart attack and then he dies. Yeah, in the original um, film, he would fade away. Mm. Apparently, it was confused audiences originally, but it was because that change is propagated to their time and wiped Biff out. Mm. No, do you know the actual change was supposed to be that after the events of Back to the Future 2, like sometime in the 90s, I believe, Marty's mum was supposed to have shot and killed Biff. So that's why he wouldn't then exist in that future because he was supposed to be dead by 2015. Yeah. Okay. So that's why he fades out. Yeah. And there's you. So there's your there's your answer. It's like in Back to the Future's version of time travel works a little differently to more conventional systems. And it was so so depressing. I mean, I like the stuff in the 50s where it's all from a different angle. Um, that was cool. I thought I thought it was, I thought real that shame. was excellent actually. The I thought they do like they do like the party, but you know from all different yeah. parts of the. I thing. thought it was a real shame. Crispin Glover didn't come back for it. That he demanded too much. I think that yeah. uh, that harmed the film because Glover was such a key part of the first film. It was a film about him and uh, well Marty's mum as well. It wasn't a film about Marty and Doc. It was a film about the romance back in the fifties. Mm. At least that's what they claim it was. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It just. There's so many points at two where I just didn't enjoy watching it that for me it's my least favourite. I, I think I think the one thing with two you're right is that it didn't have like a one era to kind of anchor it. You yeah. know, it was like jumped around a lot and yeah, I quite liked the future. I thought it was quite quite I did, fun. Yeah, the thing with the future is like if you watched it back when that film came out, as I'm sure you did and yeah. I did. I watched it at cinema. Oh, I did too. I watched it in the cinema. I was remember watching that and I was being like. The future's so cool. Yeah. Oh, the future but hoverboards that, and flying that hologram cars. Jaws and hologram and stuff. Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, alive. But now, I mean, now, anything of the it future created so in the past <laughs> looks terrible. Yeah. And, um, but like the Fucking 50s stuff. Which still looks awesome. The yeah. 50s stuff doesn't age. And the Western stuff doesn't age. You know, it's this little bubble of history that's happened and it had the happened before the, the film. The future's future, though, is that it was like silly. It was, it was originally, you know, it is yeah. designed to be silly. So you can kind of be like, well, yeah, you know, we're almost in 2015, 2016 yeah. now, but it's like in the future, don't look like that, but it's okay because our future is so silly. The whole two ties thing, transparent yeah. wearing two ties. Oh, that was, that was great. That was, uh... And hey, and power laces are on the verge of uh, existing as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're on the verge of uh, happening. What, the tie, self tying yeah, shoes? Yeah, Nike, Nike have got a patent on it. I like the fact that, um, that Pepsi Max is one of the things in it, and then Pepsi Max was created in the 90s in Europe. Like they predicted there was Pepsi Pure and Pepsi Max, and then they actually made Pep- mm. no Pepsi Pure, something like that. But it predicted the creation of that, Still and it predicted a couple so. of other no. things as well. I was saying yeah. to uh, Matt, I don't know whether you were in the office that uh, the Thomas Wilson, you know, the guy who plays Biff, is a comedian these yeah, days. Yeah, he's, he's the musical comedian as well. Y- yeah, right? did you see that? Did I send you that link? I can't remember. No, he sings a song about back to yeah, all the right. questions people. Yeah, ask that's right. Yeah, he music. sings this. Uh, please, uh, everyone listening, please seek it out. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a song he sings at like the beginning of his act where everyone. Everyone's like, he's like, you know, he sings his song. It's like, yeah, I, was it real when you're? It's like, yeah, it's not acting. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It's absolutely brilliant. It's it's hilarious. He he sort of says, I go around the world, and people ask me, you know, all these <laughs> questions. They always ask him, what's, what's Michael, Michael J. J. Fox, Fox like? like? He's nice guy. What's Michael J. Fox like? 
He's nice. What's Michael J. Fox like? He's an alien. Stop asking me the question. It kind of goes on and on like this, you know, and it's like just really good. Yeah, he's a, he's a funny guy. It's just, I would definitely advise people to check it out. You always worry about actors like that. You think, oh man, they had this moment of greatness and it's like maybe they've just faded and they're just yeah. not. And it makes, it makes me, it actually warms my heart when I find out that they're actually doing pretty good yeah. for themselves. Me too. Like, you know, um, like the little boy from Jurassic Park. Yeah, you're like, wow, man! Oh, he was probably his one shot of fame. Uh, nope, he was in the Pacific. He was. He was oh, really? one. That he was Eugene, I think. Yeah, he was. he's he a was... big. He's doing real good yeah. for himself now. He's like, you know, a lot of roles. He's in a couple of movies. He's doing good. Mm. Second the chick, the chick who played Alexis in uh in Back to the Future, the little girl. You're like, oh man, I've never saw hide hide or hair of her again. Another failed child actor. She's a very successful artist in LA. All right. Very successful artist. Oh, okay. Like it make it warms my heart when I find out that these people have done okay for themselves. Yeah. You know? yeah. They haven't all gone the old drinking drugs and. Oh, so chuffed when I saw him in the Pacific because also in the Pacific was okay. It wasn't a child actor, but it was Chase Edmonds from season three of Twenty Four. Yes, oh, right. and yeah. he 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 is the other main guy. Got him and um, the guy from Jurassic Park. So he was like and a good looking dude. You're like, oh, he's going yeah. to go on to do all right for himself. But I think he's just a bit of a pretty boy. And you're like, yeah. The one thing Hollywood Hollywood likes good looking guys, but it doesn't really do a lot with pretty boys. Guys like Chris O'Donnell and stuff like that. Mm. You always struggle to know what to do with them. But this guy was like a pretty boy, and they were like, well, what can we really do with this guy? He had a few more years on the clock, got a little bit more grizzled. Yeah. And he made, was by far the standout performance in the Pacific. Right. It, it was a shame he wasn't in 24 more because it actually was a really good part of it. He was probably. Oh, Jack Bauer lost well, his hand off. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but he, he was probably. His, I mean, he was yeah. a bit like mini Jack Bauer. That was a problem. Yeah. That's probably why they Too got rid of him. him. But he was like, yeah, I'm quitting here on 24. Yeah. And then he gets to the last episode, like, sorry, mate, you're getting your hand yeah. chopped yeah, off. Yeah, you prove, your character proved unpopular. And he, didn't yeah. even, <laughs> and he didn't even end up with Jack's daughter. Someone else did. Yeah. So he looked exactly like Mr. Schuster from Glee. End of conversation. <laughs> Good reference. So let's try to talk through the rest of the the mag. We got um we've got a, a resi special which uh, uh, Matt and Michael put together. Thirteen pages of resi uh, stuff on the hundred reasons to uh, to uh, you know play resi four, which yeah, is you of course want, coming. You want one good reason for Resident Evil four? We can give you a hundred. That's how good the game is. Uh, Matt does a, a, a piece on the Forgotten Resi, which is, of course, Code Veronica coming one back. One of the better Resi's, absolutely one of the better ones. Yeah. yeah. Much, much By better. By virtue of the platform it was on, it didn't get the play it deserved, and now you, now you get a chance to play it big time. When much are these all coming Resi out? I mean, they're sort of autumn time, is yeah, it? Yeah, yes. we've so, downloadable. Uh, and then finally, Raccoon City, which we, we talked about quite a lot, I, I think, in a podcast, uh, yep. a, a couple of... We're sceptical uh, about it, but we'll give it a good look, yeah, we'll give, give it a, a fair go. crack. And then we've got the biggie, the biggie for this issue, which is uh, which is Mass Effect 3. Um, everything uh, that, that um, our friends over at the official mag have, have got, we've got as well, because we went on the same trip. And but we've got diff- the same we should say different content. But of course, different content. Yeah, I meant, sorry, in terms of the screenshots and the access and that kind of stuff. And, and Mike, you were... You were out there seeing it, and and uh... even when I was there, I called it. I said that game is not coming out this year. I'm not sure if I said it on the podcast already, but I called it. I said this that game is not going to be ready in time for November. Sure enough, just this week they announced it's slipping to 2012. Mm. That's the right thing to do. Not from just from a creative standpoint, but from a business standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Get away from all these other big games. Let it give it its chance to shine yeah. January, February next year. They can own the beginning of next year. They can year. absolutely dominate. So long as they don't fall in the same week as Bioshock Infinite, which is thing, also the start really of 2012. Yeah, if they release it this year, at the end of the, like, when it comes to the time to give out all the BAFTAs and all these yeah. other awards, they all go to Skyrim and they all go to Battlefield and all these other games. If they release next year, they'll have Game of the Year awards from everybody. Mm. They get to release their Game of the Year, Game of the Year edition of the game. They get to uh, you know, get us that second shot at PR, at PR representing the game. Mm. It's going to be 
it just makes sense. And, and hey, you know what? Everybody at home, I know you wanted to play it right now. So I, you know, I want to play it as soon as possible. But hey, we're going to have a place full come, mm. come autumn. Yeah. You've been waiting years to finish this trilogy. You don't want a rushed ending. No. You want the best no. conclusion possible. And they've got so many loose ends to tie up in that third game. Yeah. So many. You yeah. know, because everyone would have played it in a different way, but they have to record all the lines for all the characters yeah. just in case, you know, certain characters come over and. Uh, and so it's just, you know, e- even before you went over to see it, we were talking about the fact that they'd be, you know, even if they are going to have it ready for November, they'd be insane to release it then. So it makes, like you say, it makes complete sense for them to push into next year. Um, as well as Mass Effect, we've got uh, Matt's done an, a complete A to Z of Batman Arkham City. Everything we know up to this point is in there. Is that right, Matt? Everything? Hey, that's not legally binding. It's a, it is no. an A to Z, though. It's like, yeah. oh, it's, uh, give us an example. Uh, One of the more obscure ones. Don't go P, the penguin. <laughs> uh, Matt, you know it better than me. Oh, I've put it out of my memory already. I put you guys on the spot, innit? You have, you have. Uh, y, y is for Yuletide cheer. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm not explaining it. <laughs> you picked the weakest one. Yeah, that was lot. pretty weak. Uh, no, but it's a good, a good little story. It's about the calendar man, but it's about things that people don't necessarily know about the calendar. It was because you were stuck on Y, right? What about L for Lazarus pits? There you go. There you go, that's good. So I mean, it's uh, if you if you like if you like Batman, is you'll be able to go through it and be like, ah, oh, they they forgot this thing. They could have done a better one for that. And, yeah. then, and then you can write mails to us and complain. There's a or good. If you d- don't know Batman, you can read it and be like, hey, I didn't know that. By That's the some, way, some for, for Zed, I'd just like to say I actually did. It's Victor Zaz, and all the names goes like surname, comma, first name. But unfortunately, oh. there was an art mistake. So under Zed, under Zed, you've got the V highlighted. In defence of art and uh, and the editor of the magazine, that the last three days of last issue were possibly the worst three days of any issue that I've was ever, a tough issue. ever had in the history of Why this magazine. Why was that issue so tough? Because we basically redesigned our entire bag two days after it was supposed to be at the printers. So... Um, so yeah, I, I I said to Matt yesterday I I final checked all the pages, well pretty much all the mag from eight o'clock in the morning when I got into work to ten uh, to twelve o'clock at night with one hour break to put my daughter down when I got home. So that, that I said to him there may be a couple of mistakes that have crept through, but anyway, hopefully there won't be because we try and keep a. Keep an eye on it if we can. Apart from the fact we spelled Mortal Kombat with a J. Yeah. You're like oh wow. Oh Jortal Kombat. <laughs> Uh, uh, so quick quick uh, reviews overview and then we'll have some questions so we got uh, more combat uh, Operation uh, Flashpoint Red River Michael Jackson The Experience which you reviewed which yeah. I reviewed yeah yeah and actually actually really enjoyed even though it's not did you do good rhythm game. too much of the um, singing as well game. were you focusing on the dancing or no I did a bit of singing yeah breaking out the vocals yeah it's, it's it's not it's not a great game by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's not a. I mean, it's nothing compared to Dance Central. It doesn't teach you. Uh, you know, like Dance. I think I said to you in the office. You know, Dance Central teaches you through a process of uh, a carefully kind of constructed process. It's a dance class, right? Uh, yeah. Of, of whereas this is just like yeah, I dance a bit like this. Follow these moves, okay. and if you do, if you do it or you don't do it, it doesn't really matter. You're not learning anything. You know, because you can still earn points yeah. from. From just being a complete your little girl had a go, didn't she? The whole yeah. Weaver household had. Yeah, a go. the whole Weaver household had a go, and uh, I can't remember what I put in the review, but I think you know, Erin Erin went danced in front of it, and and uh, and still scored about uh, I put it in there forty thousand points. No, sorry, twenty four thousand points, and didn't get any of the moves at all. So you know, you can't really fail. 
I just I was I was probably kinder on it because I really like Michael Jackson's music. So, but but uh, well, that's the thing. It's like if you're buying this, that game, yeah. you are yeah. coming from that point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, oh, I don't know about this. I'm actually I prefer Sting. Yeah. <laughs> How about having the latest or review in the world? Yeah, it's pretty late. But it is the authoritative review. It is, authoritative it is the review. absolute uh, the last word on the game. Not and, much we um, can do about it. Unfortunately, we got stumped on the, uh, yeah. the NDA. Uh, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, Virtual Tennis 4, and uh, that's your lot. And then um, just after that, of course, is Mike's uh, Mike's community section where um, we've got... Um, Renegade Ops. Uh, Renegade Ops. Quite exciting, Renegade Ops. A trailer Ops. has just landed today yeah, or yesterday so. for yeah, it, which is... So. Well, Mike, you talk about Avalanche. It's, well, it's, from the, uh, it's from the guys who made Just Cause 2. It's a kind of a top-down shooter, but in a sort of desert strike mode. You know, where back in the day, Desert Strike, Jungle Strike, Urban Strike, Nuclear Strike, all them great strike games you loved. They John Strike. Turns out John Strike. Yeah. Turns, turns out they loved them too, and they wanted to make a game just like it. So they did put helicopters in it, and they put a bunch of other vehicles in it as well. Looks fun. Looks yeah. good. So we've got the look at that as well. So let's have some uh, let's have some questions, Matt. Timely question here because in our Mortal Kombat review, we have the twenty five best fatalities Gorious. in the game. Sorry, glorious fatalities. A uh, Paul C eighteen eighty eight asks, and I, I've got a feeling we're all going to have the same one here. What is your favourite fatality in Mortal Kombat? Having recently purchased the game, he's headed straight to the fatality training just to see them. And he his favourite is Jax, actually. Um, Which one's that? The old smoosh in the head. Oh, see, yeah. I don't like that, and here's why. It's from a sadism point of view, unfortunately. <laughs> he, he smashes their head, then rips off their arms. Surely you should rip off their arms, then smash their <laughs> head. Because they're already dead. Because they're not going to know about the arms yeah. coming off, are they? Like, if you're, if you're determined to Maximum cause someone pain. some misery, yeah. which, let's face it, that's what Mortal Kombat's about. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got to do it in the right order. So surely everyone's favourite is Noob Cybot, is it not? No, my favourite no? is, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Striker. Oh, Striker is good. Stryker. So, 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 my, so my one it would be Noob Cybot, where Noob Cybot, he makes a copy of himself. Um, Wishbone split, right? He just grabs them yep. by the arms so, and legs. So, and so the two apart. Cybots grab a leg each and an arm each, pull from groin to, uh, to hair. Slowly ripping apart, yeah, and all, the, the, and all the gubbins are just falling out while the person's screaming. Yeah, I think it's just really the screams of pain and the, the expression <laughs> really on the guy's expression. face or woman's face as they get ripped in two. And it's like done in three stages. So it's up to the hips. And it's funny because the I think they really Mike, tug, don't they? Yeah, I think Mike was playing it maybe, and uh, and we were looking at the fatalities. And I, I'd been demoed it by a couple of guys from NetherRealm the, the week before, and I said oh, you should definitely check out Noob Cybot's thing, and and, and it was like everyone's like. Ah, oh, you know, it's just completely unbelievable. First time I saw it, I it's, felt a little It's by Ill. far the most unpleasant fatality, but I like Noob Cybot, I like a striker so That's one, a good pick. Where he just pulls a gun, tasers them in the guts for no good reason, pulls a gun and shoots them point blank in the head, unceremonious, shoots them, blows the entire top of their head off, and all you left is like a tongue flapping out of the hole. Yeah, that is. It's, it's the be. flapping tongue. Flapping that tongue yeah. that does it, yeah. There's, um, there's a couple of other good it's ones. That, it's that kind of macabre sense of humour the game has, you know? Skin ripper. Skin Ripper's quite quite gross. I like the one with um, uh, Scorpion where uh, he, he chops off the guy's head. The head sort of spirals up into the air. Then when he comes down, he chops him chops him down through the, I like Johnny Cage's the middle one of his head. As well. Johnny Cage where he, um, he punches their head off, then tears their body. Because it's, it's the first, his Mortal Kombat 1 fatality was punching their head off. His Mortal Kombat 2 fatality was tearing their torso off. So he does both of those things. He punches the head off and it lands on the floor rips the torso off, throws it at the floor, the, the impact bounces the head up into the air, he catches the head and holds it up. Yeah. 
That game's got a sense of humor, man. Yeah. That game's got, a, that's got a game, that game knows how silly it is. I think that game's got more than just a sense of humor as well. It's it's actually a really good fighter. Like, I've been playing the story mode, and it's got a great fleshed out. Nah, story it's a mode. rubbish fighting game. No, no, it's a decent fighting game, but I'm hugely impressed. I never thought you could have a decent story mode in a fighting they've game. Done a, and they've a done a far great better job. single player fighting game than Capcom have done on Street Fighter since Alpha 3. Mm. Alpha 3 is the ultimate single player fighting game. It's got this amazing campaign mode where you level up your characters like an RPG. Really good. Soul Calibur 2 also had a great single player mode. But most of the time, all you get is a rubbish arcade mode and a rubbish challenge mode, which nobody wants to play. Mm. Um, Mortal Kombat really gets it right. Flying Penguin 18 he wants to know do any of us use the extra services on Xbox Live Gold um, for example Sky or Zune you've watched Sky on your Xbox I right? watch Sky a lot actually um, I have I I'm the sports channels I, I'm on Virgin Cable but I I, I pay extra for the sports channels um, but my dad's on Sky and brilliantly I can have his password to access movies through Xbox so that's probably a bit naughty I yeah, should admit Sky there. will probably ca- cra- um, come after you now and uh it's really good. I, we don't use it too often, but every Friday we'll check to see what new movie's been put on. I think Kick-Ass went on a couple of weeks ago, so we're going to sit down oh, and, and re-watch that. Um, I liked Kick-Ass. I liked Kick-Ass. Um, and yeah, it's just good to have a library of movies. If you fancy watching something, you can just, just pop it on. And it means I can catch up with the Sky Atlantic stuff, such Any as good Game is of Thrones. It, it'll stream, it'll um, comes yeah, in fine. a row. I mean, it's not, it's not like having a Blu-ray and playing it through on the PS3 no. quality-wise, but... Yeah, We've done so, a poor so job of perfect. covering that kind of content in the magazine. Yeah. That's something we're looking to address yeah. in the future mm. because that content is there and it is a big part of There's the Xbox a lot of and it. we should be covering it. Uh, I've also used Last FM a few times, particularly at Christmas. I just type in Christmas and it just plays a succession of Christmas movies. Admittedly, you do have to skip for a few because it's got all crap. Yeah, that's the problem with stuff. that's the problem with Last FM. Like it's you a get bit unpredictable. Yeah, so it's a box of chocolates, man. You yeah, know what yeah. You're gonna get. You get. You get. I'd say out of you get you get fifteen percent great songs and. Not eighty five eighty-five percent shite songs, but yeah. you get you get probably get another sixty percent okay yeah, songs. But, but and it's then, like having a John Strike Christmas playlist. Yeah, and but then it, the rest it, is just it's awful. good just when you want to chill out for a bit like that we put it on and then put up the tree. Yeah, put out the tree with some Christmas music in the background. But the Christmas songs nice. they chose were like no, but it wasn't any stuff. of the ones that are like the the uh, They they were on there, it's just they were but you get like Terry Badu's Christmas special, <laughs> and it's some bloke you haven't even heard of singing like the most awful. Are we talking about Christmas? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's the, it's like... I, I've put it on a couple of other times as well, and, it, and it's okay. I put it on actually yeah, on, on Monday when I was uh, painting the kitchen. Yeah, and I had, had Last FM on. This is a nice little extra. I'm to always have on. next to a computer, so it kind of hasn't. I don't really use any of that stuff. I don't but... bother with Zoom, to be honest. I don't think I've ever ever gone on Zoom. I think I went on the marketplace once. My internet connection is just too slow. I occasionally use it to stream music from my PC to my living room when mm. I just want to put some music on the living room because I've got a decent sound system in there. So it's a pain in the ass, but it means you just turn the TV on and use that as my mm. stereo in the living room. Um, Susano wants to know from our forum, wants to know, uh, do we think the JRPG genre is doomed with recent flops such as Final Fantasy XIII? Uh, I can no longer see the tired mould of the genre returning for much longer. As good as Lost Odyssey was, it felt as some inevitable JRPG flaws. I would argue that point, to be honest. Uh, and uh, I find Western RPGs are more enjoyable. I think uh, as long as Japanese players are playing them, they've got a future, and, yeah. and Japanese players are, are still playing them. They just won't let them bad boys die. I mean, we're not really seeing too many releases right now. All, all, uh, all Easter, bank holiday weekend, I was playing Blue Dragon, 
I'm on to disc two now. I'm really enjoying Blue Dragon. It's another Mistwalker game. Mistwalker made Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon, two of the best JRPGs in recent years. Um, I mean, you guys know how much I love Lost Odyssey. It's in my top five Xbox games of all time. Um, it, it's got a future, but I don't know. N- not not if, if uh, Square... A, a, trying to pull JRPG away from what it I what's think, true to the genre. I think the Japan, uh, the whole development scene has taken a long, hard look at itself over the last couple of years and realised they need, like what they've been doing hasn't hasn't worked this generation. Mm. It just hasn't been good enough. It's not even that it hasn't been good enough. It's just that yeah, they, they, the, the best JRPG now isn't what people want to play in the no. West. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't stick, it hasn't got the sticking power over here. Well, I, I think, think they're... They're readdressing that. I think now. it has to a point, but I think what we're seeing is that maybe we're not going to be getting too many more PS3 and um, 360 JRPGs. You're going to see them now predominantly on the DS and stuff. Mm. I mean, Dragon's uh, Dragon's Quest, perfect fit for the DS. Best RPG and of the generation is um, The World Ends With You, I think. Yeah. That was a great game. Again, another DS game. And I'm actually now playing my PSP more than ever because I've got Final Fantasy IX on it. And I get to when I'm off to yeah, London. You re-released the Persona games on PSP as well. Yeah, Persona. you got Final Fantasy 7, 8 and 9. Final Fantasy 4 Complete Collection has literally just been released, I think, this past week. Um, handheld, I think, is the future of JRPG. When people get an hour or two. It's because you can make them more cheaply on there. You don't need to sell yeah. so many. You know. Do you think it's because, I mean, I, mean, I, guess, the, I guess the clue really is in the name in the j part of the name is that you know they obviously are built to primarily appeal yeah. to japanese people but uh, or you know far eastern people you know yeah. people who are very much into that yeah. kind of um i wouldn't call it like a niche but you know that kind of design and that, oh, that yeah. approach with with western rpgs they they very much uh are, from our point of view you know being based in the west that they, they they have a a greater uh balance between uh uh, design and the, the technical side of things, so that it, it, you know, the games like Fallout, for example, and Elder Scrolls don't look so out of place next yeah. to games like Call of Duty and Battlefield and stuff. Well, you know, th- for people think, out there, on I that. think the technical thing is an important thing to pick up on because JRPGs just didn't get better when the hardware got better. Some of the best JRPGs oh, yeah. were like still in the nineties. The same game they were making back in nineteen ninety six. The only thing that's improved. The, yeah, the graphics and the cutscenes, that's the only thing that's got better in JRPGs. Western RPGs, however, I think they have got better because the world's completely changed along with technology. You couldn't make an oblivion back in the 90s. Mm. Whereas, I mean, JRPGs, menu-based, um, random battles a lot of the time, not always. It's a bit of a generalisation, but the actual game structure has remained unchanged, mm. whereas new hardware so has allowed those games on the snares, yeah, know? new hardware has allowed the Western RPG to blossom and, and become much bigger than it originally was. And also, they embrace a lot of ele- Western RPGs, embrace a lot of e- embrace a lot of elements that are not uh, traditional RPG elements. Like in Mass Effect, for example, it's much more of a shooter really now than it yeah, than it is an RPG. And yeah, it started off the first game, no pitched as an RPG yeah. really, and then with the second game, they made it much more. Um, Sort of story driven, yeah, yeah. yeah. There are driving bits as and well. Fallout is kind of the same as well, you know. It's like a lot of you know, I know there's like the whole RPG structure behind yeah. it, but it's very you know, Deus Ex is an RPG, yeah. it's an RPG stealth mm. game. And, and I think that makes you know, for, for audiences here, I think it makes the, the the step into RPGs a lot more, uh, a lot less alien, you know. Yeah. You can kind of go in and not feel so out of place. Whereas yeah. with those JRPGs, they, they still are, like you say, so based on the old yeah. model that they're just not. As appealing to the, I think the, you know. the the big thing is like Western RPGs are based on freedom, whereas Japanese RPGs are based on rules. 
Like, you know, Western RPGs are about like you doing your own thing and Japanese RPGs are about you being told a story. Yeah, this is the story. This is the story I want to tell you. And there's definitely room for that. There's definitely a space for that. But I don't think that space is on major consoles anymore because I don't think the games can shift enough units to justify it. Mm. Uh, I think JRPGs are going to struggle from here on out. And I think, like as I say, Japan's taken a real long, hard look at itself. Don't be surprised if you see a Final Fantasy farmed out mm. In the next, three, I think four I think years. the most. Oh, the, well, it was there was one originally, and that got was that Grin who was working on. Yeah, Grin was working on. Well, it would have been a disaster, but I mean, I could fully see Obsidian working yeah, on. Yeah, but but I think for me the the worrying thing because I like my JRPGs, I'm quite happy to play them on DS and whatnot. But it's seeing Final Fantasy 13, which was just not very good at all, very linear, very scaled back. 14, which has been abysmal. Is it an Even online Japanese game? These gamers like didn't like Final Fantasy 13. Yeah. No. 14, they don't like either. It's well, like 14 still broken months and months after release. And they're still it's, giving out free months, it's right? It's still free because Square cannot charge for what they've put out there. It's a beta at best. It just doesn't work. And they've had to get in a whole new team. They've got rid of some of the old guys, brought in new people to try and fix the game that they sold last year because it still ain't working. It's not as if it's just people in the West complaining about these games. Like you look at like boards like they have over there, two chan and stuff like that. You know where they, they the people just get together and discuss games, and the list of complaints that they came out with about Final Fantasy was extensive to say the least. You mm. know, uh, and they of course they were playing it before a lot of Western gamers, and that those early Japanese opinions ended up informing a lot of Western critical response. Mm. Like you know, Japanese gamers aren't happy with JRPGs the way they are at the moment either. So, you know, a big change, I think, is in mm. store. Right? I think the genre's gone away forever, but a big change is there. Interestingly, there is, like, a whole scene of Japanese gamers over there which we do play Fallout and Oblivion and mm. Gears of War, and they're considered the strange ones, you know? Yeah. It's like in the same way over here. When I was playing on the SNES, like, I was, I was the guy who was importing a copy of Final Fantasy III, which is, of course, FF6 in America, importing that, importing Front Mission, which you could only play on a genuine Japanese SNES. There were no converter cartridges which would work with it. Uh, Chrono Trigger, that kind of thing. And, like, I was the weird one. Now there's Japanese gamers who are importing Gears of War, mm. importing Fallout, importing Oblivion, importing Call of Duty. Or actually they got their own native copies of Call of Duty. But they're playing these games because they really dig what Western developers are doing. And they're the strange ones. Yeah, know, yeah. So. Mm. Um, Rich Wilkinson, uh, he wants to know which console apart from current gen has the best control pad? Well, apart, apart, from apart, from, apart from current gen. I, I think, think the 360 is the best controller yeah. ever, made, yeah. And obviously, Xbox had the the S pad. The S pad was pretty good, but the um the show it didn't, it, the, the black and white buttons were in the wrong place. Yeah, they were in a, they were in a weird place on the pad. Yeah, um, I, I mean, the wasn't the Dreamcast because that's that's because people say nice things about the Dreamcast oh, controller, but the stick spins about about sixty degrees. Yeah, that's weird, and um, the button it was it was far too lightweight, and. The, if you've got big hands like I do, the, your knuckles jab into the mm. back. So what I'm saying is if you like the Dreamcast pad, you have girly hands. Yeah. I, I don't really get on with the PS3 pad, but I mean, when the DualShock first came out, I really liked yeah, it. Yeah, when like it first came out, it was I mean, nice. It's so funny because I used to be a Sega kid at first, so I had the Mega Drive and I had a Saturn. I loved the Saturn pad. And then I got a PlayStation, and, I, and a year later I went back to the Saturn. I couldn't hold the Saturn pad. Saturn it was yeah. still so a great pad for fighting games. That D-pad's yeah. excellent. I think yeah. real good for fighting games. The only thing with the dual shot was the um the the sticks just felt like they had such a massive turning mm. circle on them when you first got the hold of it. The springs aren't tight enough either. Yeah. Because I remember you know it you was, went from N sixty four, which you that's probably right. did. You yeah. went N sixty four was such a tight. really tight yeah. and it doesn't move a long way. 
Yeah, it was such a tight stick. Yeah. And when you went onto the, that's exactly it. When you went onto the analogs, they were like, way, <laughs> you know, and you had, they seemed to go such a long way. Putting a button beneath the stick was so clever, though. Yeah. That was a really smart yeah, one. Yeah, that, yeah. that was, was all Sony, and they, they, they did a real job there. I'm going to go for a really weird one. And I would say the Virtual Boy had a great controller. It was the first controller ever to have, like, dual controls. Well, not, this is the first mainstream machine to ever have dual controls. He had two D-pads on it and big handles with big triggers on the back. It felt great, and those handles kind of carried forward. The um, DualShock had handles, but they were never long enough. They never feel quite right. But the GameCube controller had great handles, and for my hands, the GameCube, the GameCube controller fit in my hands really nicely. Yeah, the D-pad was crap. Yeah, and so was the, I was going to say like the I was, C-stick was. Crap. I really liked yeah. the GameCube controller, but the C-stick was terrible. The, I the Z mine. button. I was broke a, a waste I broke of space. the GameCube controller, and I ended up taking the, the analog, the left analog stick out of it. Okay inserting it into another one. So I had a Wavebird, which was... Uh, which oh, Wavebird. Wave two big fat sticks. Wave was great. just right away and stuff. I think the triggers on that and the click at the end, the click was so satisfying. You didn't get used and enough. That no, click, it didn't. Click very hard and I, I liked the big game. A button. I didn't like having a big A and then the smaller B. And yeah, I'm not sure. It made it rubbish like fighting games and stuff like that. And it made it an inflexible mm. controller, to say the yeah. least. Mm. I don't know. I mean, there's every controller's had its ups and downs. Just for me, like, the SNES controller is still the bomb. Mm. Like I remember I think that was the one of the first you know, controllers I ever sat and used and felt really like this is a good controller. Everything on that controller works. Between the SNES pad and like the the, the current 360 pad, there's always one thing I can complain about. Mm. In the 64 pad, I can, there's stuff I can complain about, which was a pretty good pad as well. There's stuff on the Saturn pad I can complain about. There's stuff on the DualShock I can complain about. But there was nothing I can moan about on the SNES pad. Mm. There's nothing I can moan about on the Xbox pad. So, Final thing to wrap up, because it's been a mammoth podcast. Uh, Rich Wilkinson again wants to know, with the recent PlayStation Network hack, some of his hardcore PS3 friends have jumped shipped and bought 360s. And it's really? funny, we were seeing, we were seeing uh, yeah. like outside gaming game station signs saying, P- fed up with PSN not working? Bring your PlayStation 3 in and you can trade it for no extra money for a brand new 360. Really? That's so a like good people deal, jumping on it. Yeah, it That's a good deal. deal. Um, so he goes back to us. Do you think this could be the beginning of the end of Sony's console and can you see them pushing out the PS4 sooner than expected? The latter, yes. The former, no. 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 The, the PlayStation 3 will keep on ticking along just fine, but they will be rushed developing the PS3 yeah. now. Like if they had a plan to release the PS3 in whenever, 2015, let's say, PS4. it'll yeah. be two years earlier. Mm. Two years earlier than whatever they wanted it to be. It's, I mean, as I understand, I mean, I was on holiday when this all sort of kicked up. But as I understand it, they they seem to have had a, in in layman's terms, had a a a piece of security in place with the list of names of everyone who was registered to PSN behind it, and they were so confident in this piece of security not being breached that they never bothered putting in layers of other security behind it. It seems that way, yeah. So once you broke through that one layer, you just got to the what whole... What happened was, about in, in late March, um, a new firmware, modified firmware came out, because a few while back, the PlayStation got hacked. So this has actually been boiling away since December. In December, people worked out how to hack a PlayStation. By mid-January, the machine was hacked. Then custom firmware sort of came out, and with the custom firmware, you can pirate games, you can do a lot of other cool stuff, like run emulators, run your own media player, play MKVs which is like, you know, the format of choice if you're running high-def video. Mm. You can do a lot of cool stuff with it. But then another firmware came out, which actually enabled debug options on the console. And this is the kind of stuff that we can actually use when we're reviewing games. We can look at the debug options. And, you know, you never do, but they're there. They're for development, basically. They're ways to install stuff and ways to delete stuff. It gives you a whole other level of access to the machine. And that came out at the end of March. And then 
by mid-April, someone worked out that you can actually access the PSN store using this firmware and with a, with a little bit of tweaking and basically download anything you want for nothing. And that was like, you know, that's a big deal. And so word got around on that. And that was a disaster for Sony. But then someone else worked out that you can actually give yourself admin rights. You can give yourself Sony's own admin rights with this firmware and basically look into anyone's profile, look into any data you want. You can you can unban yourself and so on. And you can do lots of other cool stuff. And, you know, there's people out there who know exactly what's going on. I can't claim to be one of them. But that was the moment Sony shut down PSN mm. because all of a sudden they, they with those admin rights, every account is compromised. I don't think anyone out there right now has a list of 80 million people's details. But if someone was interested in your details and they had that firmware, in theory, they could have accessed them. Mm. It's a PR disaster. For yeah, Sony. No, it's, it's worse uh, from a security standpoint. I would argue that from what I know, the breach probably isn't too bad. The fact is it could have been way worse mm. and the fact is anyone's account it could have been compromised it wasn't just like a handful of accounts were in danger it could be anyone's uh it wasn't everybody's but it could have been anybody's mm. and that's the problem mm. this is an absolute pr disaster for sony not least because a couple of weeks later sony online entertainment got breached as well yeah which means anyone who's got an account on dc universe online or any of their other games you know planet side they're all compromised as well this is an absolute disaster for Sony. Anyone who thinks it isn't is trying mm. far too hard to a spin it. A lot of questions being asked of them now. I mean, the, the, the Canadian government are yeah, like the calling them up and saying, you, know, we, we, you are in serious trouble right now. Mm. We, we, want, we want explanations. We want answers. People are saying this could cost Sony something like $20 billion. Bloody hell. This is a company which every year, their, their money, their, their profits are somewhere in, I think, the 90... Wikipedia lists it as being in the 90 billion range. I think it was this past year, the first time the PlayStation's been pro PlayStation 3 has been profitable. And this takes it all off. You know, <laughs> this, this is the hit. This is, this is their red ring of death moment. And not from a, like a, a meltdown standpoint. The fact is all the consoles are still working and you can still play all of your games on it. But from a PR standpoint, mm. this is their red ring of death moment. As I say, I said at the start of the podcast, make no mistake, Microsoft are going to make some little... Some mm little crack about it mm. at E3 and Sony are going to have to come to E3 and they're going to have to mention it they yeah. can't not they're going to have to say we've got a whole new level of security on PSN or something and you know in, in many ways and this is not just me saying it from an Xbox point of view but in many ways it's even worse than the Red Ring of Death because at least with the Red Ring of Death it's something you know security people's security and uh, and people's rights is so hot at the moment yeah that it's it's well, red, well, ring, it's red ring of death. You lose your console. Someone takes your identity. You lose yeah. a hell of a yeah. lot. And that's something that people who aren't gamers will understand yeah, more. So exactly. if you, my my dad, like he doesn't know about gaming. So if I said, oh, Xbox Red Ring is broken, he's like, oh, broken console. Get a new one. Say, oh, my credit card's been stolen. Yeah. And all my details are out there. He will immediately know what and that al is. And also for the people who write the headlines, you know, your Daily Mails and your. You're the people who get on the bandwagons, they're they're not they're they're not people who who um, who play games necessarily, but they can, like you say, they can completely understand what the security this thing is. This was the number one story on BBC's yeah. six o'clock news. Yeah, the number one story above wars. Yeah, like it's that big because it affects people. It genuinely affects people's daily lives, mm. and because of that, it's like, hey, you know, that's, that makes it a big story. It's on the front page of newspapers. Mm. This is a really, really big deal. The Red Ring of Death never made the front page of a newspaper. No. It did make the BBC news, but wasn't the number one story. No. And it was only, it was only for one night in a row. Like you say, identity theft is such a hot issue at the moment. 
and Sony have exposed themselves in such a spectacular way, such a huge way. Yeah, it's hurt them, and yeah. it's gonna it's gonna keep on hurting them, I think. So thanks for uh, listening to our strong cast. It's been extremely strong today because it's basically almost two hours, I think. <laughs> so. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please do get in contact with us in the usual ways, Twitter, Facebook, on the forum, via email. We'd love to hear from you. Keep an eye on uh, on our Facebook and Twitter, by the way, because we've got some exciting things coming up over the next got, uh, uh, couple of months. We've got big surprises. And, big uh, surprises. and we'll be teasing them out on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we'll also be asking um, on Facebook... Oh, sorry, my phone's going. <laughs> on the, on um, uh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, oh yeah, on, on Facebook, Facebook. Um, uh, we'll be asking you a few questions, which which might help form a few things for us. We've uh, got later on we've got line. some decisions we need help making over the next couple of months. Yeah. We've also got quite possibly the biggest cover story we've ever had. Yeah. in our issue coming up after the one you're going to be enjoying next week. So it is um, going to be lots to look forward enormous. to. So thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.